0: Love, talk, radio.
1: This is a post time with Mike and Mike's special report.
0: The U.S. Travelling Association President Bill Langley announced Sunday that he will resign effective December 31st.
2: Well, on Friday night, the finish line will come down. The horses stalled and harnessed.
0: Racing at Maywood Park will shut down. And at the end of the year, so will moral Park. With the closures,
3: Langley feels he is no longer a part of the national scene that is necessary for the USDA president.
1: In accordance with USTA Bylaw 11.04, since the vacancy in the presidency will occur within 60 days of the next USTA annual meeting, which is scheduled for February 26th to 28th, 2017 in Las Vegas, Nevada, USTA chairman of the board, Ivan Axelrod, will serve as interim president until the election of a new president. At that time, it will serve the remainder of Langley's term until 2019. There are five candidates.
0: Five candidates. Five candidates.
1: One goal. One
0: goal. Wrong goal!
1: To make harness racing.
0: Harness racing. Harness racing. Great. Again. Yeah.
1: The first ever USTA presidential debate on post time with Mike and Mike is brought to you by Bet America. Play the Bet America way. The CA, an affordable way to own all of or part of a rain source. The IP Stables, the best racing opportunity in the business. Maryland Horse Council, representing Maryland's diverse horse community. Papado Park, harness racing's winter capital. Running Aces Casino and Racetrack, Live Racing returns May 20th, 2017. Northwest Bloodstock, for a professional approach with experience, can sign with Northwest today. The Downs at Mohegan Sun Pocono, catch the excitement when Live Racing returns March 18th. New vocations... Make your next horse the next racehorse. Embroidery Unlimited. Visit them for all of your embroidery needs. And the Blooded Horse Sales Company, the nation's smorgasbord of sales. Good evening, everyone, and thank you for listening to this very important edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. I am Mike Bozich, alongside Mike Carter, and we will be your moderators for this very important evening.
4: Tonight, five candidates have agreed to participate in the first-ever USTA presidential debate. The candidates are Russell Williams, a director and officer at Hanover Shoes Farms, Ryan Macedonio, host of the popular TrotCast web radio program, Freddie Hudson, longtime horseman and businessman, Joe Panaccio, the president of the Florida Standard Bread Breeders and Owners Association, and Jason Settlemore, the chief operating officer and general manager of the new Meadowlands Race Track.
1: Gentlemen, welcome. In just a few minutes, the candidates will give their opening stents. They will have up to two minutes to do so. Afterwards, the debate will be broken into four segments. Those segments are the state of harness racing, of the USTA rules and regulations and marketing and promotion. Candidates will be given one minute and 30 seconds to answer a series of questions relating to that topic. If a candidate invokes another candidate by name or title, that candidate will have a 45 second rebuttal option if they wish to use it. Other opportunities for rebuttals will be at the discretion of the moderators. When a candidate has 20 seconds to speak, They will hear this sound. There will also be a buzz session towards the end of the debate in which candidates will have 45 seconds to answer a series of fan questions. Mike?
4: The topics and questions that you will hear tonight come from the USTA directors, horsemen and women, and racing fans, we want to thank everyone that flooded our emails over the past couple of weeks with questions, comments, and well wishes.
1: When discussing the debate tonight on social media, please use hashtag #USTAdebate. Strap on your seatbelt, grab yourself a beverage and a snack, and hunker down. It's the first ever USTA presidential debate on post time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. We will hear opening statements when we return.
0: Hey, I'm Chantel Sutherland-Cruz and want to tell you
5: all about BetAmerica.com. It's the coolest place to bet on horse racing on over 200 racetracks from America and around the world.
0: New players receive a 100% bonus on your first deposit, up to $300. That's the best sign-up bonus available today. It's time to play the Fed America Way.
1: Here at the stable, our mission is to provide fair market for owners of yearlings while giving investors the most informative way to purchase all of or part of a horse. The stable will cater to all budgets by having an open fractional buying market and a flat rate billing system. At The Stable, we aim to minimize the risk in buying and maximize the benefit of selling. Visit thestable.ca or give Anthony McDonald a call at 519-400-4263. That's 519-400-4263. It's thestable.ca. Consider who we are. According to the 2010 equine census, we are 28,340 people with 81,000 horses on 16,040 properties that comprise 587,000 acres. Our assets are $5.6 billion. Our direct operating expenses are $363 million. And our economic impact has never been accurately measured, but is in the billions. We are every breed and every discipline in the horse world, and we are the place where many of those disciplines began in these United States. We are the Maryland Horse Council. For more information, visit mdhorsecouncil.org. That's mdhorsecouncil.org.
3: After last year's record-setting season, Running Aces Casino and Racetrack in beautiful Minnesota is gearing up for its 10th anniversary season of live harness racing action from May 20th to September 16th this year. Come join the first-class racing at our top-notch facility. For horsemen, stall applications are available starting February 15th and are due by March 15th. For racing fans, Running Aces will also be adding more excitement with additional new multi-race wagers this season. You can find our product at most simulcasting facilities across North America and on your favorite ADW site. For simulcasting agreements, contact Ben Plum at Running Aces. Don't miss any of the action. For more information, visit our website, runaces.com.
1: We are back on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. It's the first ever USDA presidential debate. I am Mike Bozich, joined by Mike Carter, and we're also joined by our five candidates for USDA president. It is time for opening statements. Each candidate, once again, will get two minutes, or up to two minutes, I should say. The order in which the candidates will give their statements was done by a blind draw. And the winner of the first blind draw, the first round anyway, was Jason Settlemore. Jason, give us your opening statement. You have two minutes, sir. You're on the clock.
6: All right. Good evening, guys. And first, uh, I wanted to thank you for having me on. I'm going to keep it pretty simple here this evening. Um, I'm simply not interested if the only goal of the USTA is record keeping. If we, the directors, want to try to move us in a direction for long-term stability versus what we have now, which is clearly not working as we have steady declines in every aspect except for purses, I decided to run at the last minute because I did not feel any of the candidates are prepared to address the crises of our failure to replace existing customers, including owners, breeders, yearling buyers, and our core customer, the gambler, with new people. Inevitably, our existing group is going to die out. With my ideas, purses will not be affected, as with fewer races and slot money, purses are actually going to go up. We have to be prepared to preserve slot income and show politicians that we are seriously trying to market and get new customers so they continue to give us a chance. If we don't, politicians at some point are going to their hands are going to be forced to take gaming money away to fill state budget gaps. Our most recent polling numbers in New Jersey back in the November for the referendum showed us that very few people cared about preserving horse racing. I believe we must work together to strengthen first the local and regional parts of our business and continue to build upon our successes. Again, I want to make it very clear here this evening that I'm not interested in being president of the USTA if the only goal of this organization is going to be record-keeping.
1: Mr. Settlemore, thank you very much. Freddie Hudson, you're next up on the clock. You have two minutes, sir. Go ahead.
5: Okay. Uh, thank you, uh, Mike and Mike, directors, board members, fellow candidates, and listening audience for having this debate. And for you people who are joining in to listen tonight, I love our great sport of harness racing. To being successful as the next USCA president is going to be getting the cooperation of the industry. We have to fix our sport. With the large number of people involved, it's going to be a challenge yet we can accomplish whatever is needed with enough clarity and focus. The sport's fate relies on joint efforts with sound ideas and genuine understanding on a very large scale. My platform stands on us as an industry focusing on efforts on fixing our sport, redesigning our marketing plans, and making integrity reforms. We must fix the sport before we can effectively market it. From the race itself to the on-track and online experiences, these things need to be addressed. In the marketing area, we need a national TV ad, and we need our major race, the Hamiltonian, on a major network. We need to be marketing at other equine events that draw large crowds, and we do need to use customer profiling to market on the online social media networks. Regarding the integrity of the sport, we must clamp down on the illegal drugs with extremely strong penalties that include the owners. Um, excessive whipping needs to stop and we need to set up an aftercare program for our horses. My step, first step will be to have a comprehensive strategic plan put in effect to address fixing all aspects of our sport with one, two, five-year goals. We need your ideas and contributions. We will then coordinate a marketing plan that works with the strategic plan. We will reinvent our sport and make it profitable. Thank you.
1: Thank you very much, Mr. Hudson. Next on the clock with their opening statement is Mr. Macedonio. Mr. Macedonio, you're on the clock, sir.
7: All right, let's rock and roll, guys. Uh, I want to start out by saying that I am by far the most unique candidate in this race. My entire candidacy and ideas have been based upon innovation and change uh, for the future of our sport. The topics I cover are uncomfortable, but I face them head on, and I don't shy away from any questions. And transparency is something I've always valued as something very important to me. I represent everyone that has felt held down and pushed aside because of politics. I have not and will not play the political game of kissing up to the directors just because they are the ones who elect the next president. Remember, to everyone listening, the directors are elected to represent you, not themselves. And if they don't represent you in the manner you feel is necessary, they need to be held accountable. Every member of the USTA has to be more involved in the functions of harness racing. I know for a fact that I've inspired and steered people in that direction. I've created a platform of discussion for new ideas that could be implemented. We have to maneuver our brand and sport of harness racing to the future. Electing a young, vibrant, in-your-face leader sends a message to the outside world that we are ready to take the USDA to the next level of innovation and transparency. Many successful companies are hiring younger and younger, and one of the main reasons is their relatability. I stand by the job that I've done so far. I will allow my portfolio of content, reputation, and resume to speak for, for me. A lot of the decisions that have been made in the past were made without vision for the future. They were quick-handed sacrificed long-term success for the short-term gain. I want to be in this business another 30 years. In doing so, we all have to make decisions to allow us be in the business 30 years from now.
1: Thank you very much, Mr. Macedonio. Next on the clock, Mr. Williams, you have uh, two minutes, sir.
8: It's impossible to anticipate everything that can come up in a debate like this, but there are five things I know that are going to come up. I stand for out-of-competition testing. I stand for no outlaw trainers. I stand for taking the next step expand the USDA's existing marketing platform, and launch board-approved initial projects. I stand for acquiring control of Harness Racing's digital experience by making a new contract with Roberts Communications. I stand for realizing on valuable USTA data assets to grow the top line and help fund new projects.
1: Next. Thank you very much. Are oh, you still going, Mr. Williams? You still have a lot oh. of time. <laughs>
8: <laughs> That's all I have to say at this point.
1: Okay, thank you very much. Next on the clock is Joe Panacio, Mr. Panacio, you have two minutes, sir. Go ahead. Thank you,
9: Mike, and uh, thank you, directors and fans, for being on this call tonight. Uh, my uh, journey to this point was pretty different. Uh, I was asked four years ago by my good friend Steve Olford if I'd be interested at some point in running for president of the USTA, and I told him I'd take a look at it, and here we are four years later, and we are looking at it. And what I bring to this opportunity for myself and all of you is a 40-year career of business, corporate business at the very highest levels, the last 15 years of which were spent Uh, running major corporations in the United States that had thousands and thousands of employees and businesses all around the world. Um, And as somebody once told me, there's no substitute for experience, and I have the experience to run the USTA as a business, not as whatever it's been run at for the last 20 years or so. Number two, most importantly, I have no other commitment in my life. I'm retired, and I can spend the time to run this business for you the way it needs and devote to it. Uh, and I think that's incredibly important going forward. Uh, somebody that has the time and can do it, and has the background, as it relates to what I would like to do. One, I said I'd like to run it as a business, and the first thing as a business, is we need to develop a revenue stream. We have to come up with money if we want to market and promote the sport. The number one job of the president will be to promote and market this sport in the future, um, and and market it locally. Uh, come up with a national plan that can be used locally. Secondly, uh, I believe unity is incredibly important, and I will form a co- coalition of track, casino, horsemen, and breeders to put this together. And third, I think there are many social aspects of our business that have gone unattended, and I will attend to those, like health care, retirement,
1: universal licensing, etc. Thank you. Thank you very much, Mr. Panacio. Those are the five candidates, and those were their opening statements. We have four topics to discuss tonight with the sub-questions under each and every one of them. The first topic that we are going to address is the state of harness racing, and we'll do so after this commercial timeout. You've got the first-ever uh, USDA presidential debate on post-time with Mike and
2: Mike, presented by Bet America. Ever dream of owning your own racehorse? How would you like to get in the winner, sir? with the number one harness racing partnership in the U.S., VIP Stable. There's nothing like the thrill of your horse coming down the stretch. To find out more, call VIP Stable at 877-VIP-WIN-1 or visit us on the web at www.vipstable.com. Turning horse racing fans into racehorse owners. Be a winner.
1: Northwood stands ready to serve its growing customer base in representing them at both yearling and mixed sales, and in private purchases of racing and breeding stock. If you're looking into the harness racing marketplace as a buyer or seller, call Northwood today. Northwood is the most experienced and professional representation for public auction and private sales. Northwood is now accepting entries to the 2017 yearling sales. Visit them online at northwoodbloodstock.com. That's northwoodbloodstock.com. Racing returns to the downs at Mohegan Sun Pocono on Saturday, March 18th. Opening night post time is 6.30pm with a chance to win up to $100 in live racing vouchers. Grab your program, drop the attached registration coupon in the box of the clubhouse lobby, and winning names will be announced after races 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and 10. Racing continues in March on the 21st, 25th, 26th, and 28th. Get the full schedule at Mohegan eagansonpocono.com. Get ready for another record-breaking season
4: at the Downs. The New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program places retired racehorses into approved monitored homes and transitions them into second careers. New Vocations has placed over 350 retired standardbreds the past three years. They are now accepting horses from all racetracks in the United States. New Vocations has facilities in Ohio, Kentucky, and Pennsylvania, and is expanding to New York. To learn more, visit newvocations.org and on Facebook at New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program. Welcome back to Post Time with Mike and Mike. Mike Carter alongside of Mike Bozich where we present to you the 2017 USTA Presidential Debate. Coming up next will be the first of four segments. It's the state of harness racing. What we'll do is we will read each question to each candidate. They are listed as uh, a random draw, and the first question will first go to Mr. Hudson. Mr. Hudson, it is no secret that harness racing in many jurisdictions has become mostly dependent on slot revenues to fuel purses. In your opinion, what can be done to strengthen and maintain relationships with casino operators?
5: But when I saw this question, I thought it was a great question. So it looks like I'm going to be going first over. But um, if elected, in my first 90 days, uh, to strengthen and better understand the uh, casino operators and for them to um, better understand us, I will be scheduling meetings with them. Um, I will include in these meetings some of our USDA local area directors and industry leaders to accompany me. Um, I don't think I'd have more than five at a meeting. And I will also, at the same time, schedule meetings in the same areas with racetrack operators and the racing commissions. This will be my first step and effort in gaining industry collaboration. Uh, we need to position ourselves with the casinos as an asset and not a liability. If we can fix our product and increase the handles, while we bring more people out to the track as both spectators and gamblers, we we'll have turned ourselves into an asset. Uh, there is a fact that I just saw. That the fact is that 60% of horse gamblers also gamble at casinos, and on a live racing day, the handles go up. The uh, in- in house, the total in-house handles go up on the casinos by 16%. Thank you,
4: Mr. Macedonio. It is no secret that harness racing in many jurisdictions has become mostly dependent on slot revenues to fuel purses. In your opinion, what can be done to strengthen and maintain relationships with casino operators? All right, so I'm I'm a horseman, and I'm coming from the side
7: of a horseman. But I would simply ask all of the horsemen if they feel that they are doing everything that they can do to put forth their best product. There's a lot of simple things that can be done to make harness racing a more professional product. If the horseman can be seen as a professional, unified entity – the track operators and casinos will feel that they have a true professional and unified partner that they can do business with. I've discussed these details at nauseam, but I'll continue to do so. Some examples, any track that has a barn area and stables, they need to be cleaned up. A splash of paint, some flowers, stable signs, etc., are simple, cost effective, and just shows that you care. All horsemen when entering the paddock should be subject to a dress code, requiring them to wear stable colors or racetrack T-shirts. Please tell me the argument against that and why it will not be implemented. If we can't accomplish simple tasks, what makes the racetrack think that we can handle major tasks? Um, The reality is this. Anyone outside of our industry could easily view slot machine money as a welfare program for horsemen. And just like Jason said in his opening statement, I'm sure some politicians see it that way as well.
0: We have to recognize
7: that danger. We have to recognize that danger. I don't know if that,
6: the beep cut me off. I'm done.
1: Jason, uh, your name was invoked. Would you like to rebuttal to Mr. Macedonio?
6: No, not at this time. Thank you.
1: (laughs) Okay, Mike.
4: Mr. Mr. Williams, uh, again, same question. It is no secret that harness racing in many jurisdictions has become mostly dependent on slot revenues to fuel purses. In your opinion, what can be done to strengthen and maintain relationships with casino operators?
8: Well, first we've got to remember that different gaming companies have different views of their racing operations. A lot of good work has already been done, so it's not really a united front that we're up against. Some do treat their racing like a problem. Others embrace it and recognize its value to the whole operation. Hoosier Park is an excellent example of the Enlightened group. Now, gaming companies are also experiencing change. They face lack of expansion opportunities now and the saturation that goes with it. Eliminating racing at their facilities will not change that. So I think that we're going to see a a more interested attitude on the part of gaming companies that have been hard to work with in the past. We're not a liability. Uh, Statistics show that when there is a significant live card at a track casino, wind goes up on the gaming floor. Meanwhile, we have to always be ready to demonstrate that we are a viable business. I think we can do that if you attend our board and committee meetings or meetings with the staff in Columbus, you know that we shouldn't have much trouble doing that. I'll be setting up working working groups uh, to get more board work done between annual meetings, and one of the things that we can do is meet with gaming companies where needed.
4: All right. Mr. Panaccio, uh, same question. It is no secret that harness racing in many jurisdictions has become mostly dependent on slot revenues – the fuel purses in your opinion what can be done to strengthen and maintain relationships with casino operators
9: well the first thing i'd like to talk to is what we encounter down here in florida we're, we're under the gun constantly as the, our casino operator is not in favor of harness racing and wants to get rid of it and three years ago brett revington arrived from canada as a new director of racing and agreed to work with us and we worked together and we picked up 31 percent in paramutual Handle in the first year. And we picked up another 20% in the second year. And it continues to go up. And the handle is going up, even though our other experiences with the casino operator is not great. That is great. And there are lots of reasons why. It's what days you race, what time you race, what time you let your race go off, and what are you uh, making available to your patrons, and how are you helping them enjoy when they're at the racetrack. Other things that we should be looking at is where other people, we should have no pride of authorship here. If other people are successful at something, why aren't we trying it? Why don't we have a V75-type race in the United States where people can uh, take a shot? It's almost like going after the lottery and winning hundreds of thousands of dollars. Uh, Why wouldn't we as an organization uh, do something like they did at Gulfstream Park this year when they had a Pegasus race for $12 million? Now, ours doesn't have to be for $12 million, but It is certainly something we should consider doing. Uh, We need to reach out to our fans. We need to reach out to our people, and we just need to work harder and not be afraid of increasing the handle. Thank you.
4: Mr. Settlemore, again, it is no secret that harness racing in many jurisdictions has become mostly dependent on slot revenues to fuel purses. In your opinion, what can be done to strengthen and maintain relationships with casino operators?
6: Well guys, this is really a great question. Uh, the USTA must work with the local horsemen's organization in unison and go to those casino operators uh, with thoughts and ideas on how to work together. Uh, we should be thinking and saying, how can we work together to make harness racing better at each track? How can we foster a working relationship and market these tracks together how can we market together to get more butts in seats because that's the end of it that's the end goal as my good friend Phil Terry tells me all the time at the end of the day casino operators for the most part are only concerned about their bottom line so we have to work together in order to improve their bottom line which in turn improves the horseman's and the USTA's bottom line in many cases in many many cases the casino operators are made out to be the elephant in the room that is not, simply to me, that is not the right approach. They have responsibilities as well, just like all of us. We must work together. We need to come up with revenue-generating ideas, not just for the USTA, but also on how to improve everyone's bottom line, the Horsemen's Association, the racetracks. It's all cyclical at the end of the day. It's all cyclical, and at the end of the day, what's good for you is good for me, and we should all be working together.
4: Thank you, Mr. Settlemore. We're going to move on to the next question. Mr. Macedonio, you will be first. With regards to decoupling, some say that it's only a matter of time and jurisdictions that depend on slot revenue. If decoupling were to take effect in these areas, what would you do as USTA president to keep harness racing viable?
7: All right, well, harness racing has thrived for, 50-plus years without casino and slot revenues? Uh, there are still some tracks that don't have it, including one of our biggest tracks, the Meadowlands. With slot revenue comes complacency and the inability to be uh, creative and take risks. Meadowlands is a shining example of how to continue to innovate and promote the sport to be successful. Just look at all the extra things that they have to do to try to maintain all of the success that they've had. As I've said before, politicians look at harness racing as a welfare program, and we need to change their minds and opinions. I would never want added revenue to be taken away, but that added revenue has taken away our own urgency and the business strategies that should be implemented to be successful long-term. I think most tracks are on the right course, though. Yeah, like Pompano, for example, they are very open about their handle and their promotions, and they use the simple yet effective philosophy of growing each time. You know, uh, when, you hit a, when you hit above the mark, they're advertising it. And when you hit below the mark, there should be accountability also. I don't see enough public accountability and goals for each track.
0: Is that something we
7: need to incorporate? Uh, simply put, how is it that we have had an influx in money into our sport over the last 15 years and somehow we're in the dire straits that we're in?
4: Thank you, Mr. Macedonia. Mr. Williams, with regards to the coupling, some say that it's only a matter of time in jurisdictions that depend on flat revenue. If decoupling were to take effect in these areas, what would you do as USTA president to keep harness racing viable?
8: Well, remember, the USTA is not permitted to do lobbying, but we can do excellent lobbying support. Harness racing can still make a persuasive case for itself. For example, according to a recent Penn State study, the economic impact of standard and thoroughbred racing in Pennsylvania alone amounts to $2 billion per year. So the USTA can coordinate uh, uh, lobbying efforts in all jurisdictions if necessary. The bottom line, though, is that the USTA is the only organization in our sport that provides stability within the entire harness racing world. This comes from things like information services and other things that we do, but our role as the place where all interests in the sport gather to deliberate is probably the most important. So we need to keep the USTA financially strong by continuing to watch our outlays and by growing the top line.
4: Thank you, Mr. Williams. Mr. Panacio, with regards to decoupling, some say it's only a matter of time in jurisdictions that depend on slot revenue. If decoupling were to take effect in these areas, what would you do as USTA president to keep harness racing viable?
9: Well, no one uh, uh, in this group has more experience with decoupling than I have. Um, I've been facing it here in Florida for the last six years directly, and uh, every year we've had to go to Tallahassee and fight the fight. Um, so we understand firsthand what it's like to have your back against the wall and be facing being closed down. Um, so far, we've been successful. Uh, I don't think it's going to go away, and I think it will continue. But we, got, we must continue to be searching out new revenue streams for our product. We need to talk about those things uh, that are not normal for us, like going into foreign markets and, and using new wagers and doing other things along those lines. Because we need to make the casino guys our partners because they feel like they're making money. And many of them will tell you they're losing money. But if you can tell them by doing a better job on harness racing at your place, you can lose less money, uh, which will make them happy. Um, And then we can do things to help ourselves by the way we get our people into the place to have fun nights. And uh, we do that a lot in Florida. This weekend, we're entertaining four guys from Italy who are coming over to drive. Um, And we do many things along those lines to make the sport better. Um, We have the opportunity. We just have to work at it. Thank you.
4: Mr. Settlemore, uh, with regards to decoupling, some say that it is only a matter of time in jurisdictions that depend on slot revenue. If the coupling were to take effect in these areas, what would you do as USTA president to keep harness racing viable?
6: Well, let me start by saying this. This has to be a major focus of ours as horsemen, breeders owners, trainers, drivers, grooms, and track operators. I hope you understand as a a united front, as the United States Trotting Association. uh, Florida was faced with this just not too long ago and was successful in battling back. If this were to happen, we'd be faced with a major crisis and we'd have to go into crisis mode where we would actively engage with those politicians to help secure the future of harness racing. But my goal as president of the USTA, would be for this not to happen. My belief is is that the United States Trotting Association should be actively involved with the horsemen, the breeders, and track operators in these areas and work alongside of them with their politicians to make sure that they are aware that we are using the money to promote a healthy industry and to be able to provide them statistics and inform them Give them all the information they need on how horse racing is good for the local and state economies.
4: Thank you, Mr. Settlemore. Mr. Hudson, with regards to decoupling, some say that it is only a matter of time in jurisdictions that depend on flat revenue. If decoupling were to take effect in these areas, what would you do as the USTA president to keep harness racing viable?
8: Well,
5: I agree with Jason. We have to stop it before it happens and we have to make ourselves self-sufficient. We have to implement our strategic plan and, the, and a marketing plan that will have this addressed in it. We need to focus on event-type racing for days and nights. Uh, we have to also gain other sources of revenue, from going back to charging emissions, parking, food concessions, merchandise, corporate sponsorships, and along with increasing our betting handles. We have to get more people out to the track. Um that's an easy uh, e- easy statement at this point. <laughs> Thank you. Thank
4: you, Mr. Hudson. We're going to move on to the next question. The declining full crop in our sport is rapidly becoming an issue. What do each of you believe the cause of the issue is, and what would you do as president to help correct it? Mr. Williams?
8: Well, although the larger farms are producing an historically Normal number of foals, some smaller breeders have left the business. Our industry is contracting and an ebbing tide lowers all boats. So we're subject to supply and demand just like many other economic phenomena, but uh, there are some historical anomalies that have contributed to the problem. I have in mind the Goral rule, and I'll take Captain Treacherous as an example. Um, Captain Treacherous's first crop would have gone to the market last year and started racing this year except for the ground rule. And so that's 140 foals that are not on the list. And I've got to tell you, in breeding, you add at the top, not at the bottom. So when you start subtracting good stallions from the pool, you're going to increase and exacerbate the problem of foal crops. Now, what can the USTA do about it? So far, uh, the best idea we've had is education. There's a, there's a series running in the now that uh, talks about getting your mare in full and getting your yearling to market. So we're providing educational services, and we stand ready to do anything else necessary to help breeders, small and large.
4: Thank you, Mr. Williams. Mr. Panaccio, the declining full crop in our sport is rapidly becoming an issue. What do you believe the cause of this issue is, and what would you do as USTA president to help correct it?
9: Well, this is a problem that's come over a long period of time, and we've declined from a high of about 22,000 foals born uh, down to about 7,000 and changed the last couple of years. Uh, one of the things I think we can work on in the short term is that the cost of being in the cult business and raising a cult and racing a cult has become very expensive, while the horsemen have been given the opportunity to race at places where the purses are extremely high and they have an opportunity to make money and the money has taken over and, and they'd rather race at a racino and race for big money than do the investment. So only the bigger, more elite guys remain in that business as Mr. Williams said, and that's unfortunate for the sport and we've continued to drop. So the first thing we would need to do is put money in and make it available for younger horses, race the younger horses for more money, make it more profitable for the owners to go and get in the yearling game again um, and start to turn this tide. But this is a long-term problem that's going to take a while to fix. It's not going to be fixed overnight. Um, we, should, we should avoid uh, you know, our great horses being shipped to uh, Europe to race and breed over there and try to keep them at home as
4: well. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Panaccio. Mr. Suttlemore, the declining full crop in our sport is rapidly becoming an issue. What do you believe the cause of this issue is, and what would you do as president to help correct it?
6: Well, let's face the facts here, guys. The USTA membership is down 29% over the last 10 years. Uh, from 23,475 to just over 16,600 in 2016. The total number of starters per year is down 35% from 36,770 to 23,831. This all equates to the number of mares bred, which directly answers your question with the declining full crop in North America, which is down a staggering 39%. Let those three numbers sink into you for just a minute. Those numbers are crazy. From 21,000 um, and to 12,890 on the declining full crop in North America, I think we all agree this, this is just simply unacceptable. We've raced for $6 billion almost to North America from alternative gaming with little money going to marketing our sport. We have to face the facts, and these are the facts. We have to market our sport. I don't want to tell people how to market our sport, and we clearly, in my opinion, need a marketing firm, someone that markets the likes of Nike, Coke, and Pepsi, to tell us where to focus those marketing dollars. The USTA can and should be influential – and helping out in these areas and should be a
4: catalyst. Thank you, Mr. Settlemore. Mr. Hudson, the declining fold crop in our sport is rapidly becoming an issue. What do you believe the cause of this issue is and what can you do as president to help correct it?
5: Okay. First of all, we have many reasons for the declining fold crop and most of the reasons start with our product being in desperate need of being fixed and reinvented. Our owners, Breeders and fans are leaving the sport. Uh, We have a monopoly on our sale, our yearlings. Um, Only a small group of trainers and owners are buying the better bred horses, and it's chasing our middle people out of the business. We have to fix this problem. We do have to go into marketing. We do have to start with a strategic plan to fix the product before we market. Uh, I think that once we fix our product, This situation will reverse itself. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Hudson.
4: Mr. Macedonio, the declining fold crop in our sport is rapidly becoming an issue. What do you believe the cause of the issue is, and what would you do as USTA president to help correct it?
7: Okay, so obviously Russell is way more experienced in this sort of area uh, as that's his his job and his career. So I'm probably not going to give a better answer than him. So I'll go in a different direction draw all some ideas that maybe we can infuse so that we can encourage more average price yearlings, the ten K to thirty thousand dollars uh, range to be bought. What if we had a stakes program based on yearling prices? Such as the limit to enter the stakes series is thirty thousand. So any any yearling over thirty thousand you can't enter. What that does is it encourages more people to try out the yes the lesser yearlings, knowing that they don't have to compete with the higher power. If this program were successful over a few years, I think that you'd see the lower range, like the 10,000, horses being bought for a little bit more into the 15, to 17, to 20 range, knowing that they can actually make a profit relatively quicker. This will bring the low average up. I'm sure that's the part of the area that breeding farms hate, that that when they lose money uh, on breeding horses, Um, if we make the breeding farms happier, uh, we all win. Right now, anything under 30 k isn't very welcoming for any types of stake programs It also puts a spotlight on the owners and trainers who don't get the opportunity to train high-priced yearlings. Make it a big event. It will be their big-time moment. Treat it like a huge event. Make people feel special. That will gain more fans because the regular guy can win also.
1: Mr. Williams, your name was invoked. Do you want to uh, rebuttal that?
8: No,
4: I'm okay.
1: Okay, very good. Mike?
4: Okay, Mr. Macedonio, while I understand where you are going with your comment, I- I'm a little bit lost as to how that would fix the issue of breeding and brood mares. Well,
7: we're, we're trying to uh, increase full crops, right? And I think one of the main problems is that the lower price, uh, uh, what Russell said was the breeding farms are good, but the homebred horses, the ones that can't uh, have the bigger fees and, and things like that. So if we can increase and get more of the, the regular average price foals in yearlings, then more would be bred and that would bring up
4: the bottom level. Does that, does that make sense? Did I explain that right? Maybe? No? Thank, yep. Thank you, Mr. Macedonio. All right. We are going to take a quick timeout. That was our segment on the state of harness racing. Coming up next is the functions of the USTA and uh, that will come up just after this commercial break. We'll be right back.
1: Embroidery Unlimited is a premier provider of quality embroidery, screen printing, and promotional products. Our commitment to quality and pride in our work is second to none. We focus on quality and customer service. For all of your stable or business needs, Embroidery Unlimited is the number one provider in harness racing. Give Chip Winsky a call at 508 485 5522. That's 508 485 5522. Or visit them on the internet at embroideryunl.com. That's embroideryunl.com. Embroidery Unlimited. Hey, it's Mike Bozich with Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Speaking of Bet America, we are each and every one of you to check out the Plainridge Park Casino Survivor Handicapping Contest
8: that is coming up
1: tomorrow, Friday, February seventeenth. Now, to enter the contest, you have to complete the Survivor Handicapping Contest Entry Form, which shall be available at the program counter located on the first floor simulcast room. Entry forms can be picked up starting at 5 p.m. Limit one entry per person. You. Have have to be present to win. Now, get this: the contest winner shall receive $250 in cash plus one free entry of an $800 value to the Bet America 2017 World Harness Handicapping Championship on Saturday, April 29th, at the Meadowlands. For more information on that, visit playmeadowlands.com/contest. That's playmeadowlands.com/contest. But once again, it's the Plain Ridge Park Casino Survivor Handicap contest. It's happening tomorrow at 5 p.m.
4: Be there. DRF Harness is your one-stop home for harness racing. From breaking news and insightful opinion pieces to in-depth handicapping analysis, DRF Harness offers something for everyone interested in the sport. If you are simply into hardcore numbers, DRF Harness provides a full line of past performance products from its flagship Harness Eye newspaper and PPs to daily Harness program and Trackmaster offerings. And that is just the tip of the iceberg. Entries, results, live odds, free PPs, and a weekly newsletter with fresh content are all part of the DRF Harness experience. Visit DRF.com backslash harness now or check us out on Facebook or Twitter to immerse yourself in harness racing.
1: Are you racehorse poor, short on health, got too many broodmares, need money? Consign your horses to the Blooded Horse Sale, the nation's sport of sales. These mixed sales are held in February, May, August, and November in Delaware, Ohio, and they attract buyers from 27 states and Canada. Entries close approximately 30 days out. Visit BloodedHorse.com to enter or request the catalog. That's BloodedHorse.com. We are back with Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. It is the USTA presidential debate. Our next topic are functions of the USTA, and we'll start the first question with Mr. Panacio. Mr. Panaccio, many claim that the big reason harness racing cannot move forward is the lack of a central governing body. Can and should the USTA assume this role? You have a minute 30.
9: Yes, I believe the answer to that question is yes. And I go back to what I said in my introduction, which is the USTA needs to be run like a business. It needs to create its own revenue stream. Now, I'm not fooled by the idea of doing this easily. This is a very, a very, very difficult thing to do to get a central governing body up and running as the USTA, based on the fact that many states it will be difficult to get it done with. But there are things we can do in the short term. Uh, to make the sport better and get a consensus from the USTA, have the USTA have some uh, uh, issues out there and talking about certain things like getting a consensus on post times, not running over each other when we 're racing, uh, you know doing things like I said earlier, like that v seventy five wager that they use uh, include Canada in in our in our uh, issues, and maybe we can put the, the the Canadian and the American things together to have more consensus on race states, and other industry needs. But I think it absolutely needs to be run as a business, and it needs to be the governing body, because otherwise we'll never have the power. We need to be one. We need to come together as one, no matter how much we disagree on other things. Thank you.
1: Okay, Mr. Settlemore, same question. Many claim that the big reason harness racing cannot move forward is the lack of a central governing body, and should the USTA assume this role?
6: Well, the short answer and direct answer uh, to your question is, yes, Uh, the USTA can and should assume a role of working with each district chairman and the regulatory bodies to make sure our rules are the same from jurisdiction to jurisdiction, or at the very least, to as close as they can be. Uh, The district chairman should be responsible for taking our rules and regulations to the regulatory bodies and working with them for implementation. Look, that's a start. It's better than where we are now, and that's how I feel about this. We should be working through our district chairmen to uh, to get the USTA involved at the regulatory bodies with the, you know, trying to get on the same page with rules and regulations.
1: Okay. Mr. Hudson, many claim the big reason the governing body can and should the USTA assume this role?
5: Yes. And we, we have to move forward, and we have to get everybody involved and on the same page. We need to put our best ideas forward, and we need to put our best practices forward. We have to standardize many of our rules and regulations across many different jurisdictions, and it's going to require the cooperation of many different regulators and people. Moving forward, we'll have to have more director meetings, both in person and on conference calls, and it's going to, going to require a lot of work on all parties. Thank you.
1: Okay, Mr. Macedonio, same question. Many claim that the big reason harness racing cannot move forward is the lack of a central governing body. Can and should the USTA assume this role?
7: Well, I think we're all in agreement that yes. Um, the reason that the NFL, Major League Baseball, NBA, et cetera, are successful is because you know that all of the owners are all working together. They even share revenue. Um, can this happen in harness racing? Maybe one day the business model is out there, and it's successful, but we're blindly ignoring it. So who's going to be the Jerry Jones of our industry and step up and and call the other ones out? All of our states have their own agendas as well, including creating jobs and income. So in order for any state to be on our side, we cannot eliminate any of their revenue and any of their jobs. It would be great to have a universal licensing and drug policy, but if we do that, a lot of people will be out of a job And there will be a decline in revenue for the states, which makes them angry at us. So we cannot eliminate that. I do think that our entire structure of rules and changes are very archaic in nature. There has to be a better model created to force change quicker. Sometimes it can take two years for a rule to go into effect. Um, This, in my opinion, is unacceptable. So if our goal is to become a universal governing body, we have to streamline rule changes and possibly even rethink our entire structure, uh, uh, ladder of power, and the entire director system.
1: Okay, thank you, Mr. Macedonio. Mr. Williams, many claim that the big reason harness racing cannot perform the line of governing body, and, and should the assume this role?
8: Well, I guess I'm not in agreement. Let's look at where we are now. To the extent that a central governing body is possible in harness racing, the U.S.T.A. already is that body. We're never going to have the authority to regulate racing under state or federal law, and I wouldn't want us to have the authority to tell the tracks how to run their businesses or the responsibility that goes with it. We just need to be realistic about what we're doing and stop talking about structures that do not apply to what we do. As the central semi-governing body, or whatever you want to call it, we do a great job, an exemplary job, because apart from the myriad of services we provide to the sport, we lead by example. Our rules, our broad representation, and the integrity of our officers, directors, and staff set an example to which all the other stakeholders in harness racing look. We don't hand down edicts, yet we have tremendous influence.
1: All right. Thank you very much, Mr. Williams. Let's move on to the next question under the topic functions of the USTA. This first – this question will go to Jason Settlemore, Mr. Settlemore. you'll lead off. The USTA serves many functions. As president, what would you like the USTA have control over?
6: I believe the USTA has met its core mandate over the years, as I spoke about its harness racing update this past Sunday. Uh, but I also believe that the USTA can do more. Uh, we need a new mission statement. It should be in the works, a new vision, and our objectives need to be updated. With a new leader, these issues should be tackled with input from the staff of the USTA and the executive board right away. We must begin thinking that the USTA is more than just a record-keeping organization if it is going to be. And it sounds like there's many people that want it to be more than just a record-keeping organization. The USTA, in my opinion, is uniquely positioned to once again lead us in the right direction. I don't pretend that I know everything like some, and I want to listen and be objective, but I want others to give people with opposing views, both young and old, the same respect to at least listen to one another.
1: Okay, thank you very much, uh, Mr. Settlemore. Mr. Hudson, it's coming to you. The USTA serves many functions as president. What would you like to see the USTA have more control over?
5: Uh, we need a stronger uh, enforcement of our, of our rules and regulations, and we also need to establish a stronger media presence. In marketing, we need to expand into TV. Um, we have we have all these um, large equine events. We need a presence there. Uh, we need to work closer with other equine organizations, and we need to continue with the social media outlets and to incorporate our uh, customer profile. Uh, rule enforcement needs to be standard standardized across all jurisdictions regardless of how we're going to do that we have to do it Uh, we need to get the usda more and new sources of acquiring revenue
8: thank you
1: thank you very much mr hudson Uh, mr macedonio you're next the usda serves many functions as president what would you like to see the usda have more control over
7: Well, the words more control make me cringe and cower, but, um, and and I don't think an organization should have too much power or control, but I would have to go with more control over actual technology and utilizing it. Uh, Someone explain to me why every director isn't at every meeting, Uh, and if they can't attend, put a tablet with a Skype program and a chair so they can at least give their input. That's a technology that we can input so that every director is represented. Uh, And the rule changes that would need to be put into place to make that possible need to be quicker and more efficient also. So the technology to even make our own system is there, streamline it, make it better. Uh, We should be able to call a meeting, get a rule change, and move on. Nobody has to be all in the same actual physical room anymore. I do plenty of business transactions with people over email, and I've never even seen their faces. Um, You know, the meetings can be conference calls with videos, People want quick, people just want everything quick and efficient, and the perception that the sport cares about its users and consumers to be quick and efficient. Uh, That's step one. Step two is just get better at distributing our content online. Uh, We we don't have a unified path on how things get distributed. Uh, You know, you look at the NFL, I I go back to them, but even WWE and some other non-sports programs, they clearly have a distribution of their content and where they want
1: it to go. Okay, thank you, Mr. Macedonio. Mr. Williams, you're next. The USDA serves many functions. As president, what would you like to see the USDA have more control over, sir?
8: I'd like to see us retain control over our own marketing strategy. Uh, we've already spent around $600,000 with conversion, and we got social media platform plus a pretty sophisticated marketing infrastructure. There's no way I'm going to agree to spend other people's money to go to yet another firm. Uh, if you go to McKinsey or Deloitte or any of these marketing consultants, it's $500,000 up front to get started with them. We don't need to do that. Uh, I'd like to see us renegotiate our deal with Roberts so we can have control of Harness Racing's digital experience. Once that pathway is open, we can dream of having a Harness Racing channel on the internet. that would benefit all stakeholders. And here's another dream that we can work towards if if we could do that. What if we could connect a highly successful strategic wagering initiative, which we know affectionately as Stratwag, with our own ADW platform? There's really no upper limit to what we could do if we approach it sensibly.
1: All right. Thank you, Mr. Williams. Mr. Panaccio, you're next. The USDA serves many functions as president. What would you like to see the USDA have more control over?
9: Well, I think Mr. Williams hit it right on the head with his last statement. Uh, we need to s- somehow figure out how to get more control over a centralized ADW so that the USDA can have a say in, in what's going on around the country in terms of wagering, the most important part of our business. I mean, $1.7 $1.8 billion a year in wagering, and, and we should have a hand in that. Uh, secondly, I also agree with Mr. Williams on getting control of the video feed. Um, today, we don't have control of the video feed from Roberts, and we should have it so that we don't run one program over the top of another. Um, and and uh, the USTA would act uh, as the governing body to see that that was all handled correctly. Uh, third, um, we we don't even uh, we make it difficult for our members to get programs. Uh, to, you know, to use for the races. Uh, you know, th- that's not even simple. We need to get control over some simple things like that. And then socially, I think we need to get to help the horsemen a little bit on some of the smaller things for some states, but very big things for other states, like health care. Um, we have lots and lots of people out there that don't have health care, um, and we can do that. Uh, in 16,000 members, we can certainly develop a program for them, uh, as well as a retirement plan for those states that don't offer one.
1: Thank you. Okay, before we get to the last question on the USTA, Mike Carter does have a follow-up question. Mike?
4: Yeah, I've got a couple of follow-up questions in relation to the first uh, question about the um, USTA assuming the role of a central governing body. Ryan, you mentioned uh, that if that happened, people could be out of a job um, in other states. Can you allude to that a little bit?
7: Uh, Well, take, for instance, universal licensing and fingerprints and and all the data collection and and people that are associated with that entire process of getting a New York State license, a Pennsylvania license. So if we had this magical universal licensing, which would be great in theory, uh, I'm all for it, but there's already people that have those jobs. And you think a state's going to like it if we're trying to take the people that are working for the state? They're they're not going to appreciate us taking their jobs because we want to make things easier. So I I just think that that's not a good way to improve our relationship with each state by trying to take away jobs that are already there and already created. We just have to try to work around it.
1: Okay, Mike, I know you have Um, another follow-up question. Let me interrupt real quick. Uh, uh, In the follow-up questions, guys, um, that may come up time to time, you would have 45 seconds to answer those, not the full 130. So I just want to be clear about that. Mike, go ahead.
4: Okay, um, I've got uh, two questions in regards to what the USTH should have more control over. The first one is going to go to Mr. Hudson. Mr. Hudson, you mentioned that a large media presence needs to be a big event. Um, we talked a little bit um, kind of off-air me and Mike have about, you know, the smaller events needing to be covered as well. Uh, how do you feel about that, and how would you, I mean, would you just want to focus on just the large events, or would you want to encompass everything or as many as you could?
5: i I would want to encompass as many events as we could, but you know, I would concentrate on the larger events, like when I look at these steeple chase races over here in northern Virginia, there at last year's event, there were seventy thousand people um they paid a hundred dollars a person to get in. Um, this is an event that it's an questioning event. We should have a presence there promoting our sport. We should have a corner booth or something where we should be even trying to sell memberships. But that is just one of the ideas. The smaller events that they have, they have five to 10,000 people. Um, I would probably pass on those and concentrate on the bigger events. I don't know if we could get into the Kentucky early or not to set up a booth, but we might try. Thank you.
4: Okay. Thank you, Mr. Hudson. Mr. Macedonio. Uh, in regards to what the USTA can, can have more control over, you mentioned that the USTA directors not being at the meetings, you could maybe Skype them in. One of the biggest complaints last year was the fact that the USTA directors were not there to represent their constituents to make votes on the final day. How would Skyping kind of resolve that problem? Well, the technology's there. there. You, you can have video
7: conferencing. Everybody has a tablet set up a Skype program, put a chair right in the middle so, we, so they could see the whole thing. The technology's there. We're just not utilizing it. I would rather just their input there. They don't actually have to be there. As long as they can give their input and give their opinions uh, so that everybody can understand them. Like what we're doing, we got seven people here uh, discussing topics. We can all hear each other clearly. Why can't when, when it's time to make an important decision all 60 plus directors should be there however it is whether it's in physical form or not they should be there representing everybody and doing their job as a director. Uh, it, it's absolutely criminal that uh, only I think it was 37 that, that voted last year on some of the major topics. So just you utilize the technology that's there. If we can't, sh- and you have to make the rules to make that available quicker too, because I'm sure there's a rule in there that you have to be there physically.
1: Okay, thank you, Mr. Macedonio. Let's uh, move along to the final question on the uh, topic of functions of the USTA. This question will go to Mr. Hudson first. There are many moving parts in our industry with owners, breeders, trainers, drivers, track owners, management, and, of course, the racing fans and gamblers. As president, what can the USTA do to bring all of these different factions of the business on the same page?
5: Well, we have to start by fixing our product. If anyone doesn't believe it's broken, just take a look at the grandstands. They're empty. Uh, we must contact all of the owners, the breeders, trainers, drivers, track owners, management fans, and we've got to conduct in-depth surveys and interviews. We have to find out what their input is, and then we have to start implementing some of these ideas. I think that the most important thing that everyone must understand is that if we do not cooperate and work together, There may not be another chance. We need everyone's input and thoughts, and we should do these interviews and surveys because we are very close to the end, and we have to fix this problem.
1: Okay, thank you, Mr. Hudson. Mr. Macedonia, there are many moving parts in our industry with owners, breeders, trainers, drivers, et cetera, uh, in the picture. As president, what can the USDA do to bring all of these different factions of the business on the same page?
7: Well, this doesn't happen overnight, but there are very simple promotions and strategies that you can do to simply open up the door of communication. I don't think we have that. Uh, If a small task where working together was successful, down the road, when a big project needs to be done, there's already that mutual trust and respect because you've already worked on some other small projects together. How often do direct rivals work with each other even though – how, how often do direct rivals work with each other, even though we all should work together you know, for the betterment of our industry? Even though you're a rival, like the five of us are, we are still working together to move forward in our sport. Um, th- there's little things you can do. Create a, a USDA forum for questions and answers for, for gamblers. If they have questions, create transparency from drivers and trainers. Showcase and spotlight more owners. Figure out ways to directly force each entity to work together, you know when, do, how often do horsemen's associations work together to do a, a marketing project? So all of these little, small, tiny little projects that are almost guaranteed success can open the doorway of communication. And then when we have to come to big time stuff, uh, that trust is there, and the, and the, you know exactly who to contact because you've already worked with them in the past.
1: Okay, thank you, Mr. Macedonio. Mr. Williams, there are many moving parts in our industry, uh, owners, breeders, trainers, drivers, etc. As president, what uh, uh, what can the USDA do to bring all of these different factions of the business on the same page?
8: Well, we're already doing the first logical thing necessary to bring the factions onto the same page, which is to bring them all into the same room. We do that every year, and we've been doing it forever. Um, with all due respect, I don't think Skyping achieves the same critical mass when you have to get people to work together. Uh, and that includes the commissions, by the way. They were not on the list, but they are represented at our meetings. Uh, but beyond that, of course, we stay in communication the entire year with everyone, and I'd like to try some more committee work uh, with the working groups idea where we can travel around, have meetings where necessary to facilitate projects or issues and um, we can bring outside talent into our working groups uh, outside of the board of directors if necessary
1: okay thank you very much mr williams mr Panacio, you are up next sir the uh, with the all the moving parts in our industry owners breeders, trainers drivers etc as president what can the usda do to bring all of these different factions of the business on the same page
9: Simply stated, it's what I've done all my life. As a senior executive at major companies, I've led th- had to take people through these problems, create teams, um, get guys to work as one, want to be successful together. Um, we have lots of problems, but it's going to take everybody. We have a very diverse and tal- talented director group. We need to cre- I would create action committees of smaller groups and get them focused on smaller problems. I think the USTA meeting should be held at various racetracks around the country so that everybody can see how everybody else is faring in this business. But most importantly, as I stated early in my conversation, I'm a candidate beholden to no one. I have no job. I'm recently retired, and I have the time to fully be a hands-on president and, and go from place to place and meet with every one of these people to get them in the same room together and to get them to reach an agreement on how we should run this business going forward. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Mr. Pinocchio, Mr. Mr. Settlemore, there are many moving parts in our industry with owners, breeders, trainers, uh, drivers, track owners, etc. As president, what can the USDA do to bring all of these different factions of the business on the same page?
6: Well, My opinion is is that we need to listen to one another. Uh, That's for starters. Um, I believe we all know, or at least I hope we all know, uh, that our business is in trouble. Uh, We need, as I spoke about earlier, we need new objectives and a new mission and vision that brings us in line with other sports. No, and again, I'm not talking about the likes of the NFL or Major League Baseball or the NBA. I'm talking about sports like NASCAR and golf. And for goodness sakes, the other night I was up watching ESPN, and ping pong came on. Yes, ping pong was even on ESPN. Are we, as a business, as a sport, not more exciting than, than ping pong? Uh, it, that just totally blows my mind. In the short term, we need to get a few people from each part of the industry, including our core customers, the gamblers <laughs> in a room with us to see what ideas we have and see what we can do in a short period of time to implement some of these, some of these right away. And, and, I, and I truly believe that in the bottom of my heart that we have to have our core customer, the gamblers in the rooms with us.
1: Mr. Settlemore, thank you very much. We are just getting started on this very special edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike. It's the very first USDA presidential debate. When we come back, it will be our next segment. We're going to talk about rules and regulations on the other side of this commercial on Post Time with Mike
2: and Mike, presented by Bet America. Ever dream of owning your own racehorse? How would you like to get in the winner, sir? with the number one harness racing partnership in the U.S., VIP Stable. There's nothing like the thrill of your horse coming down the stretch. To find out more, call VIP Stable at 877-VIP-WIN-1 or visit us on the web at www.vipstable.com. Turning horse racing fans into racehorse owners. Be a winner.
3: After last year's record-setting season, Running Aces Casino and Racetrack in beautiful Minnesota is gearing up for its 10th anniversary season of live harness racing action from May 20th to September 16th this year. Come join the first-class racing at our top-notch facility. For horsemen, stall applications are available starting February 15th and are due by March 15th. For racing fans, Running Aces will also be adding more excitement with additional new multi-race wagers this season. You can find our product at most simulcasting facilities across North America and on your favorite ADW site. For simulcasting agreements, contact Ben Plum at Running Aces. Don't miss any of the action. For more information, visit our website, runaces.com.
1: Northwood stands ready to serve its growing customer base in representing them at both yearling and mixed sales and in private purchases of racing and breeding stock. If you're looking into the harness racing marketplace as a buyer or seller, call Northwood today. Northwood is the most experienced and professional representation for public auction and private sales. Northwood is now accepting entries to the 2017 yearling sales. Visit them online at northwoodbloodstock.com. That's northwoodbloodstock.com.
4: The downs at Mohegan Sun Pocado Stables open on March 1st. Reserve your stalls now in their secure gated area, complete with living quarters, laundry facilities, on site farriers, tech shop, and veterinary clinics. Located just minutes away from major interstates in the Pennsylvania Turnpike, the stable area offers a superior training track comparable to the legendary racing surface. Reserve your stalls now at the discounted 2017 race by calling Luann Reynolds at 570-831-2125 or access online at mohegansunpocono.com. back on Post Time with Mike and Mike. Mike Carter alongside of Mike Bozich as we advance to the next segment, Rules and Regulations. And uh, one of the, uh, some of the biggest topics of the uh, industry will come up here. Uh, we're going to start with Mr. Macedonio first. Mr. Macedonio, one perception in racing is that there are paper trainers that are working for banned or suspended trainers. As president, what do you think you the USTA can do, excuse me, if anything, about this issue?
7: Well, another topic I've discussed at length, including when I went to visit uh, the USDA headquarters on Monday, and I talked with the people who this directly affects and and who are in charge of uh, this area, I want a long-term goal and curriculum put in place where trainers get official accreditation. There needs to be more education in this sport, period. Let's say that over the course of the next 10 years, we implemented more education requirements for new trainer applicants, including nutrition, sports anatomy, injuries, rehabilitation, emergency care, etc. Eventually, it will lead to a four-year bachelor's degree. That solves two problems. One, if you busted your tail for four years earning a trainer's license, do you really think that you're going to risk your name by going down as a trainer for someone else? I bet most of the paper trainers today wouldn't be able to pass my test that I envision anyway. It also reduces the risk that trainers will take on Uh, by using performance-enhancing drugs, knowing that they could lose their career, actually. Number two, it solves the growing problem of the younger new owners, my generation of new owners who aren't in this sport yet. They feel insulted that harness racing trainers didn't have to go through the grueling college process like they did. Why should they invest in a sport that doesn't care about education? Trainers with degrees brings automatic legitimacy to the sport.
4: Thank you, Mr. Macedonio. Mr. Williams, one perception in racing is that there are paper trainers that are working for banned or suspended trainers. As president, what do you think the USTA can do if anything about this issue?
8: In racing, we agree to operate within the law. The commissions apply the law in order to protect the public and to keep racing from being corrupted by cheating and subterfuge. All participants in racing must be licensed. This is how the commissions regulate Anyone who participates in racing without being licensed is undermining the authority of the commissions. If you want to participate, get a license. If you participate from the shadows without a license, you are an outlaw in our sport. Programming a trainer who is not the trainer is defrauding the public. Using an outlaw trainer is dodging the authority of the state racing commissions. Anyone who is complicit in this activity, the outlaw trainer, the beer trainer, the owner, is equally guilty. What should be done? First of all, I'm saying to anyone at the U.S.T.A. who is doing this, cut it out. Stop. Immediately. It sends the wrong message concerning what the U.S.T.A. is all about. Second, with regard to the commissions, they have to develop procedures for dealing with this problem and maintaining their authority. Since this threatens their authority, I think they will eventually wake up and take appropriate action. In the meantime, we at the U.S.T.A. should set a good example. A third thing that will help is out of competition testing. This gets directly at whatever might be happening between one program, trainer appearance, and the next.
4: Thank you, Mr. Williams. Mr. Panaccio, one perception in racing is that there are paper trainers that are working for banned or suspended trainers. As president, what do you think the USDA can do if anything about this issue?
0: (sighs)
9: Well, I think one of the biggest things we can do right off the bat is out of competition testing. I think we need to develop a plan with, in conjunction with each of the racetracks to go out and test people uh, as well as, and if there are farms that won't allow the USTA to come on and do the testing, then those guys shouldn't be allowed to race. I would tell you that down here in Pompano, we have the advantage of most of our horsemen racing off the grounds, and we run a very strict, simple program. If you get a black box positive, you're out for a year. If you get a a class one or class two drug positive, you're out for two years. Um, So guys understand um, that we're going to run a clean program, and you're going to have to be licensed and on the grounds to do that. Very few of our people are allowed to ship in, and I'm sure that all of my fellow uh, people on the phone tonight would agree that it is the people at the farms who are shipping in uh, who are more likely uh, to run uh, out of control. Uh, Lastly, though, and very important to me, is we can't just be shooting at people with rumors that this guy is a bad guy and that guy is a bad guy, Um, and we can't run this business on I like you, I don't like you. If I like you, it's okay, and if I don't like you, it's not okay. We need to stop that practice in this industry, and when people get positive tests for the use of illegal drugs, they need to be told they can't race. Um, you know, and everybody could read the, U, uh, the USTA uh, got, got a document today from the state of New York where so many trainers have positive tests, and yet almost nothing's being done about it. Um, that's where we need to dig in and work hard and work together as a group, all of us, to fix that. Thank you.
4: Mr. Settlemore one perception in racing is that there are paper trainers that are working for banned or suspended trainers as president. What do you think the USDA can do if anything about this issue?
6: Well, I I believe that the USTA should have a firm that represents us uh, with a private investigator or two, kind of like Standard Bread Investigative Services, uh, to figure this whole thing out. Uh, We did this in the past at the USTA, and I know uh, what we deal with at our three tracks with regards to beard or paper trainers, it's a huge problem. And sometimes it it becomes a game of almost like where's Waldo. Uh, It's one of the very most frustrating parts of of, of the industry. We have a huge perception issue when it comes to this. And if we're going to fix this problem, we need private investigators that report to the USTA and to the USTA only. Let's take these licenses away from the bad guys and let the honest guys make a living. The honest guy deserves us doing something rather than nothing. Let's and, and if you want to take it a step further too, and, and, and let's just let's start suspending the horses too. Let's attack this problem. This is a critical, major perception issue that our industry faces right now, and we have to stand up for the honest guys so they can make a living.
4: Thank you, Mr. Settlemore, Mr. Hudson. One perception in racing is that there are paper trainers that are working for banned or suspended trainers. As president, what do you think the
5: USPA
4: can do, if anything, about this issue?
5: Well, the issue is paper trainers. They're phony trainers. And you have to go back and you look. Owners have moved the horses or they're using this person's name to train their horses. The owners are fully, 100% at fault. We have to make all parties responsible. The owner the real trainer, and the phony trainer. The fine and punishments needs to be such a deterrent that no one would want a chance being caught. If a trainer is caught, we, we just have to find them to, or up the gazool. Uh That is my opinion. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Hudson. We're going to move on to
4: the next question uh, regarding illegal performance enhancers, which are a problem in every sport, and certainly harness racing is no exception. As president, how do you believe the sport in cooperation with various state commissions should address the issue? Mr. Williams, you're first.
8: Well, it's a well-known problem, and there's a war raging. It's been raging for a long time. Uh, The USTA already funds medication research, medication rule development, investigative services. We do have an ongoing investigative services. And these areas have been fruitful, and we expect more progress. The One thing that I'd add, two things I'd add – We've got to get at the owners because it's too easy for an owner to just pretend that uh, they don't know what's going on, especially when they move uh, horses from one drug-using trainer to a better drug-using trainer. Um, and the other thing is, uh, people might want to look into civil suits against owners that are uh, against trainers that are found by the commissions to have violated rules and, and distorted race results, because when you cheat in a race. You're cheating everyone in the race. And uh, so my entire message here is let's, let's turn up the heat on the wrongdoers, and let's include all the wrongdoers in the equation.
4: Thank you, Mr. Williams. Mr. Pinaccio, illegal performance enhancers are a problem in every sport, and certainly harness racing is no exception. As president, how do you believe the sport in cooperation with various state commissions should address the issue?
9: Well, I, I think this is a continuation of the last topic, and um, we as a group need to work together um, with the states to get this executed um, uh, as one. The rules are too different from state to state, and some states you can do anything you want and you get away with it, and that's you know, like the wild, wild west, the way they race. And in other states it's very closely ca- kept and, and guys are, are, are held to a much higher standard. Um, if someone uses an illegal drug, we need to make the penalty stiff enough so that they understand, and I agree with what was said about uh, punish the horse, suspend the horse for a period of time. The owner won't like that. The owner will stop it. Um, and it, I think it's more important to actually to, to spend the, you know suspend the horse, then sus- suspend the owner, uh, you know, put it hit them in the pocket and they'll make the trainers stop. You've got to stop the money flow. Go back to where the money comes from, and that's where you can stop it because it's, it's a very difficult problem, and these guys are staying one step ahead of us with the next most you know, exotic drug and then the next most exotic <laughs> drug, um, and, and it's a very, very difficult problem going forward, and we as the USTA would need to tackle it head-on as a group. Thank you.
4: Hey, Mr. Settlemore, illegal performance enhancers are a problem in every sport and certainly harness racing is no exception. As president, how do you believe in this how do you see how do you believe the sport in cooperation with various state commissions should address the issues?
6: I just like to point out that I was uh, just reviewing the uh, 2017 uh, budget for the USTA and I didn't see the investigative services in it, not to say that it isn't because I just took a quick look at it, and I know we have used them in the past. But if whatever we're spending, we're certainly not spending enough because this problem is getting bigger and it's crippling our industry. Again, I believe that the USDA should have a firm that represents us with investigators to figure this out, um, like, you know, the standard bread investigative services that I spoke about earlier. We need to take on these drug guys. Again, we need to take on these drug guys. We owe it to everyone. It's not perfect but why should we offer a membership to repeat offenders? think about that. Why should we offer a membership to repeat offenders? Make them explain to the regulatory body why they don't have a membership with the USTA, and then the regulatory body can decide after that interview if they want to license these repeat offenders or not. We need a system that works between the regulatory bodies and that is the same type of, that has the same types of rules and enforcement. I believe that we need to be effective and out-of-competition testing in all jurisdictions. And if done correctly, out-of-competition testing can be our biggest asset against those that try to skate the rules.
4: Thank you, Mr. Settlemore. Mr. Hudson, illegal performance enhancers are a problem in every sport, and certainly harness racing is no exception. As president, how do you believe the sport in
5: cooperation with various state commissions should address this issue? Well, I'm glad to see that all of us are in agreement on this topic, but we we have to fix this problem. The public's perception of us is awful, and we have to work with the states to establish standard policies. We have to increase the fines, um, and we have to get rid of the people that are drugging the horses. They're bad for business. They're hurting everyone. We have to get rid of them. We have to make these fines so high, and we have to basically go after the owner also. I agree with suspending the horse. Um, I have also heard of trainers that own black boxes where they test their own drugs to see what, how, what kind of element they can give their horse their drugs. And I think that any trainer who has a black box should get a lifetime ban and a tremendous fine and possibly criminal charges being brought against this individual. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Hudson.
4: Mr. Macedonia, illegal performance enhancers are a problem in every sport, and certainly harness racing is no exception. As president, how do you believe the sport in cooperation with various state commissions should address this issue?
7: Well, since I'm, I'm going last on this subject, I knew all you, uh, we were all pretty much going to agree on a lot of the same issues. Um, so I'll go slightly out of the way. I, I think that harness racing as an entity is – I don't want to say out of its league on this subject, but we're not big enough. Um, there are bigger and better organizations in place who have top-notch testing and facilities. So we should, we need to develop a relationship with them and publicize our relationship with them. Publicity of the entire drug testing and the drug policies are not good enough. Uh, we don't have, an, uh, again, enough publicity of the whole entire drug perception. Um, we need to show our fans that we care about the integrity of our sport. Again, we shouldn't be leading the ways, but we can definitely help the progress and dedicate money to better the cause. Another thing we could do is if a trainer gets a positive test, we need to publicly acknowledge that trainer and almost force them to do some interviews and do some comments and uh, you know, bring to light of their failed integrity. Bring it to the public eye. Let the public perception being added salt in that wound of whatever negative perception, uh, and, and maybe that will deter future owners, future partners, future employees from going to work with said, you know, trainer who got, who got a positive. No matter how large or small the positive test is, class one, class four, 10 days, $100 fine, whatever it is. Okay. Um,
4: Mike, uh, you got a follow-up question?
1: Yeah, thank you, Mike. Uh, real quick, before we move on to the next question, guys, I do have a follow-up question. Uh, this is going to be to the direction of Mr. Settlemore. Uh, Mr. Settlemore, we all know that, you know, testing is done. Uh, the tests may be sent overseas or wherever they're sent, and then maybe a month or two later they come back, and if a horse does test positive for a performance enhancer, um, you know, the, a lot of times the trainer has to give back the purse money and the horse is disqualified. But unfortunately for the gambler, that wagered on that particular race, there is no compensation. Do you believe that there should be some compensation for the gambler? And if so, how can we do that?
6: Well, I'm not certain. Look, yeah, I think that uh, the gambler, uh, you know, they're the one that's always left out of the equation. The purses get uh, redistributed. uh, The money's collected and the purses get redistributed accordingly. Um, You know, so, yeah, the gamblers are always the ones that get left out of the equation, and and that's not right to me. They're our core customers. No wonder they've walked out in droves over the years. Um, So I don't know how you could do it, uh, Mike, but, uh, you know, I would certainly – there's, I think there's certainly uh, ways that you could possibly do it, but I'd like to sit down uh, with the USTA staff and, and other directors on a committee and explore this type of thing uh, when these good questions come up like this. That's, it's a great question, but for, for, for certain, the, the gamblers, the core, our core customers, have always at, took the uh, short end of the stick here. So, uh, um, but, yes, the answer to your question is yes. I think that there should be in some way to recompensate to compensate these people
4: back.
1: Okay, go ahead, Mike.
4: Okay, I have a follow-up question. Uh, this one's directed at Mr. Williams. Mr. Williams, you talked about, uh, you know, with, with civil suits, if somebody came up with a positive as far as illegal performance enhancers. Uh, can you allude to that just a little bit, please?
8: Sure. Um, you know, we talk about uh, the the cost of staking a horse, training him, pointing him for a race, uh, paying the starting fee in the race, and if you've got uh, nine other horses in the race and somebody cheats, why isn't the cheater civilly liable based on intentional, tortuous conduct to the people that he's cheated? Well, we just never have tried that. Now, I, I, I've got to quickly say this is not something that the USTA should undertake, but I think we could undertake an educational role in this because if it started happening, especially in some of the larger stakes, uh it, uh it it could, as other speakers have said, uh, really turn up the heat. Uh, it happened in the, the Prix de Marique a few years ago, so there was quite a bit of money involved.
4: Thank you, Mr. Williams. We're going to move on to the next question. This is going to be first directed at Mr. Panaccio. Recently in Australia, whips have been barred in harness racing. As president, what do you believe the whipping rule should be? And would you make an attempt to reach out to the various state commissions to come up with a universal rule?
9: Uh, Yes, I believe that we do need a universal rule. There are too many different rules right now. Um, I'm not in favor of doing away with the whip totally. What I am in favor of is changing the way we perform out there. There are certain things we can do, like asking the drivers to sit up in the sulky, don't lay all the way back, have their handholds in front of them instead behind their back. My concern is if no, if no whip in their hands and the horses are going to be urged in other ways that, you know, I, I really think are inappropriate. Um, if a guy injures a horse with the whip, he needs to be sent home. He needs to be given a suspension. It's as simple as that. Um, we sent home uh, uh, in Pompano, a driver who has not been allowed back. Uh, for hurting a horse while whipping we've also denied an entry of a a driver because he had multiple violations of uh excessive use of the whip uh so uh i'm not sure that i've heard yet the, the best way to do it but i do know that those simple ideas that i just put out there would certainly protect the horse protect the drivers protect the public um and we should go for one universal rule, which I know will be difficult to get through all the different jurisdictions, but well worth the effort. Thank you.
1: Okay, thank you, Mr. Pinocchio, Mr. Suttlemore, more recently in Australia, whips have been barred in harness races. As president, what do you believe the whipping rule should be, and would you make an attempt to reach out to the various state commissions to come up with a universal rule?
6: Over the last several years, many jurisdictions have updated or totally revamped their whipping rules. Um, I'm not totally comfortable with them yet, but uh, my tracks have been no different. I obviously believe that uh, whipping a horse in this day and age is detrimental to our sports perception. Uh, the USTA has made progress with stiffer penalties and fines for whipping and repeat offenders over the uh, the last uh, several years and I applaud the USTA and uh, President Langley and the rest of the board of directors along with Alan Levitt for uh, pushing uh, these updated whipping rules. My personal belief is that a driver should have a line in each hand until the top of the stretch and a driver should be able to whip twice within the approved and again the approved areas and then pause before whipping again. Um, I also believe that no driver at any time should lift his arm above the shoulder while whipping. And then just as a, as a sn- side note here, guys, over the last several years, I've been working with some industry insiders, uh, some trainers and drivers uh, to enlarge the saddle pads and also on a different type of whip. Uh, we, need to, we need to continue to focus in this area as there is definitely a perception I- issue. I hear it all the time walking, uh, walking the floors of my facilities about the, about the whip.
1: Okay, thank you very much, Mr. Settlemore. Mr. Hudson, you're next. Recently in Australia, whips have been barred in harness races. As president, what do you believe the whipping rule should be, and would you make an attempt to reach out to state commissions to come up with a universal rule?
5: Uh, As a former driver trainer, I understand the need of having a whip. But what has developed over the recent years is that the public's perception of the use of the whips has changed, and they find it unacceptable for this abuse. My opinion is to adapt the universal rule. And what we need to do is to have an industry standard where a driver shall not remove his hands from the handholes in order to whip a horse and shall at all times have both hands in the handholes. I believe that is what they're doing and they do in Europe also. Uh, I think that is the direction to go. A driver who, hips, who whips a horse one-handed um, should be fined drastically. And, uh, yeah, that is the direction to go. Thank you, Mr. Hudson. Mr. Macedonio,
4: recently in Australia, whips have been barred in harness races. As president, what do you believe the whipping rule should be, and would you make an attempt to reach out to various state commissions to come up with a universal
0: rule?
7: All right, so it it doesn't matter what any of us think or say here. If we want new people and new fans to invest in our sport, we have to acknowledge that there is a growing perception of animal abuse in any industry that uses animals. Guys, they, the circus just went out of business. Ringling and Brothers and Barnum and Bailey just went out of business. Okay? If we don't realize that, we will have activist groups and negative publicity directed towards us, which we can't afford. There needs to be more publicity explaining the uses of the whip. There's a difference between emergency use of the whip and encouragement use of the whip. You would have to visually showcase in a video package or something like that the proper use. Of the whip and the dangers that can be avoided by letting drivers carry one, but let's say we were to completely ban them tomorrow. Guess what? It would take time and we'd get used to it. We'd all get over it and we'd adapt, and we wouldn't be having this conversation. Remember, 30 years ago there were hub rails. People screamed about the hub rails. Guess what? Now it's it's insane to even look back and think about it. HD cameras allow for a close up of horses and drivers coming down the stretch. And you can clearly see a horse being struck one-handed. They can also allow uh, for a visual of seeing a driver kick a horse. Please tell me how that is good for the sport because
4: it's not. Thank you, Mr. Macedonio. Mr. Williams, recently in Australia, whips have been barred in harness races. As president, what do you believe the whipping rule should be? And would you make an attempt to reach out to the various state commissions to come up with a universal rule?
8: Um, everything Ryan just said, that was brilliant. Uh, I just want to shout out to Gore Brown, who, as you saw in Harness Racing Update, recently retired after a, uh, a long and successful driving career. And he's a bit of an inventor, and he's trying to come up with a whip that makes a lot of noise but doesn't cut up the horse. And uh, so that's that's the right direction to go. If you have to have something to move a horse along, uh, we might try some different approaches.
1: Mr. Williams, really quick, uh, Mike, I know you got to follow up. Uh, uh, Ryan, uh, Mr. Williams called you brilliant. Would you like to agree or disagree with that? <laughs>
0: uh, can,
7: can we make sure that that's publicized and, and put in yeah. font? <laughs>
4: that's all I want. That's all I want.
1: Uh, uh, okay, <laughs> okay. Go, go ahead, Mike.
4: I got a couple uh, for a couple of different guys. The first one's going to be to Mr. Hudson. Mr. Hudson, you said that you would adapt a universal rule. How would you do that by working with other commissions?
5: I would contact them first, and I would go out there and I would meet with them and say that this is what we have to do. Uh, that would be my first step on it. But we have to get this. We have to get it. The public perception of this is awful. Uh, I have heard people that have gone to the track it's the first time they've ever gone to the track and they see the horses being whipped and they're leaving and they're never coming back. Well, we have to stop this and we have to have the permissions work with us to do it. Absolutely.
4: Thank you, Mr. Hudson. Mr. Pinaccio, you mentioned that uh, if we were to take away the whips, that drivers may use ways to urge a horse in other manager to me in other manners that you consider dangerous. Um, are, are you referring to like kicking or uh, can you go into a little bit more detail about that?
9: Well, since I'm the only one on this call who uh, drives this horse every week, um, though sometimes guys would probably question if we're really a driver. But at any rate, yeah, I, I think they would use their feet mostly, but they might use the other side of the rein. And I don't like the fact that they'd be uh, urging the horse to go by hitting him with one of the lines. Uh, which would give the driver less control. You know, I think the whip uh, should be a tool for the driver, not a tool to abuse the horse, but a tool to help him when he needs to make the horse go forward or, or, or whatever he needs to do in the race, make him go left or right. Um, and I stick by what I said earlier. Make the guy sit up in the bike make them move their handholds forward. Um, and they'll be in much better control, and don't let them raise their arm above their shoulder with the whip. I think those are the kinds of things that can make it better for us.
4: Thank you, Mr. Padacio. We're going to move on to the next question. Um, in 2011, with the support of Woodbine Entertainment and the Hamiltonian Society, an initiative was launched to try and keep the star horses of our sport on the track longer. It is known as the Goral Rule. WEG and the Hamiltonian Society have since rescinded their support of that rule. Jeff Corral will continue implementing that rule at his three racetracks, although he came out last week and said that it would not apply to overnight races and qualifiers. As president, would you support this rule, and if so, would you look to expand it?
5: Well, I support
6: this rule in my professional and uh, personal life uh, because I feel that it's only right to keep our stars on the track, and we owe it to our fans and Uh, the next generation of fans and gamblers, and in general, just our sport, period. Um, If I had a horse of this caliber, and hopefully uh, someday I will, as many of you know that I own uh, racehorses, I'd put my money uh, where my mouth is, and as long as the horse is physically fit uh, to return at the age of four, I'd make that my initiative for the betterment of the sport. Um, I know that not everyone agrees with this philosophy, and if I'm the next president of the United States Trotting Association, I would in that part of my life support what the board, the USTA board and membership feels is correct. I plan on being a, a democracy that is fully transparent with not only our board, but the entire USTA membership as well. So that's how I feel about it. I think it's a great rule. Um, but I, I do understand, and I use it in my professional life, obviously, and I would use it in my personal life. But I, I would, I would, uh, I would go with what the board and the membership tells me to do um, with a, with
4: something like that. Mr. shuttlemore thank you, and I'm glad you were paying attention because I forgot to give your name, <laughs> Mr. Hudson. <laughs> Sorry, no problem. I, for you. I,
6: I, I got it right in front of me. Thanks, guys. <laughs>
4: Mr. Hudson, in 2011, with the support of Woodbine Entertainment Group and the Hamiltonian Society, an initiative was launched to try and keep the star horses of our sport on the track longer. It is known as the Gorau Rule. WEG and the Hamiltonian Society have since rescinded their support of that rule. Jeff Gorau will continue implementing that rule at his three racetracks, although it came out last week that it would not um, be forced on qualifiers or overnight races. As president, would you support this rule, and if so, would you look to expand it?
5: Um, I, I understand both sides of the issue. I, I think that having our star horses on the track helps promote our sport. Uh, unlike uh, other sports whose stars remain active for many years, we pretty much only have our star horses on the track for maybe one or two seasons. I, I also understand the owner's side of this, and they feel that it's not in their best interest. Um, they're plain outright losing money, and uh, they also – take an extra risk, an extra risk that the uh, horse uh, might have a mishap. So I then looked outside of our industry and I looked at what the thoroughbreds are doing. And with them, it's the owner's decision as to when to retire a horse to stud. And I think that's the way it should be in our business. Thank you.
4: Thank you, Mr. Hudson. Mr. Macedonio, you're next. In 2011, with the support of Woodpine Entertainment Group and the Hamiltonian Society, an initiative was launched to try and keep the star horses of our sport on the track longer. It is known as the Gourau Rule. WEG and the Hamiltonian Society have since rescinded their support of that rule. Jeff Gourau will continue implementing that rule at his three racetracks, although qualifiers and overnight races are no longer included. As president, would you support this rule and, if so, look to expand upon it?
7: Oh, man, I thought you guys were going to refer to me as the brilliant Ryan Macedonia from here on out.
4: But anyway,
7: um, <laughs> there's no debating that aged horses create the greatest marketing product for our sport. Always Be Mickey, Wiggle It, Jiggle It was by far the top story in our sport. Now that Always Be Mickey is now going to stud, one of the greatest rivalries in harness racing is dead. Uh, that's not good. The owners will tell you that there's a lot of money to be made with breeding. I would like to think that one day we can establish such prestige and marketability for equine superstars, including merch, commercials, sponsors, etc., that they don't go off to the breeding shed so early. But I want to talk about Bold Eagle, the greatest trotter in the world, who is racing and dominating in France. And guess what? He also took a season off to breed. Their stake season favors his schedule so that he can do both. Maybe we can shuffle around some older stakes races so that it creates an environment where a horse can be a stallion and race at the same time. Why couldn't stallions race in the late summer and fall after the breeding season? These stallions are already kept on a healthy fitness regimen. They would have plenty of time to get in the top condition needed. They wouldn't need to go through a full stress of a full racing season, just a few months. You can fully market and promote these races as an even bigger event because the top stars that everyone knows are still racing. I'll ask Russell this, why it couldn't be done, and it's completely unfair to only give him 45 seconds to answer this, So I hope he can give a better response, you know, at at a later date.
4: Mr. Williams, um,
8: your name was injected. Uh, Go ahead. All right. Um, Well, Ryan, that was semi-brilliant. I I would (laughs) – I I think there's a – first of all, the gorau rule. Jeff had the best of intentions. Everyone agrees. Uh, The breeders – think it's a bad idea, the Hamilton Society dumped it, uh, Woodbine Gaming dumped it, and uh, so it now exists only at tracks controlled by the author of the rule. And I hope that uh, he will mellow and uh, get in step with the rest of the sport because there's actually a better way to do this. Europe is already set up to race at four, five, six, and up. And I think we ought to have an international circuit for star horses where they can uh, go from here, maybe maybe race at four here, maybe race at four to to get used to the European style, race in the elite slop, race in the Prix de Marique. The, the really top horses already do this, and if more horses would do it, we could actually build an international racing circuit that would accomplish what Jeff was trying to accomplish without uh, creating – uh, racehorse shortages at the tracks and full reductions.
4: Mr. Williams, thank you. And uh, I, I threw it to you uh, for the rebuttal, just so everybody knows. And uh, so we allowed him a couple extra seconds because he went into answering the question. Mr. Williams, do you have any uh, anything further regarding the question?
8: No, thank you. That's, that takes care of it. Okay.
4: All right, Mr. Panaccio, in 2011, with the support of Woodpine Entertainment Group and the Hamiltonian Society, an initiative was launched to try and keep the star horses of our sport on the track longer. It is known as the Gorrell Rule. WEG and the Hamiltonian Society have since rescinded their support of that rule. Jeff Gorrell will continue implementing that rule at his three racetracks, although qualifiers and overnight races are no longer included. As president, would you support this rule and, if so, look to expand upon it?
9: Well, I agree with my, uh, my fellow candidates for the most part here. I think it's a great thing to have our older horses come back and race. And, you know, I have great passion for the sport, and I love to watch great horses race against each other. Um, I do agree with Ryan that uh, one of the things we can do uh, is begin to emulate uh, Europe. You know, I've raced in Europe, and I've been there and seen how they take care of their stallions, and their stallions are in the are in the shed working in the uh, winter and early spring, and then they come back and they go into training and they have uh, classic races in the fall. Um, it is something we could work towards, um, but I can't agree with telling a breeder that he has to do something. It is his property in the end. And uh, though I was probably leaning a little bit more the other way after reading Marvin Katz's article in HRU the other day. And the fact that he believes it's cost him millions and millions of dollars to not be able to put his horses in stud, um, I think it's only fair to let the owner make the decision. And our responsibility, or my responsibility as the president, would be able to come up with a new idea and a new way around it to entice
1: these guys to want to race these horses later on in their lives. Thank you. Okay, Ryan, your name was injected, although uh, Mr. Panaccio agreed with you, so uh, I guess you get a, a free couple seconds here if you want to take advantage of it.
7: Did he call me brilliant too? I, I, uh, I, 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 no, 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 that. he did not. <laughs> oh. All right, well then, then I got no rebuttal for that. Only when people call me brilliant, how about
4: that? Very good, Mike. All right, guys, that ends the rules and regulations segment. We're going to take a quick timeout. When we come back, we're going to go through marketing and promotion as the next group of questions. You've got post time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America.
1: Embroidery Unlimited is a premier provider of quality embroidery, screen printing, and promotional products. Our commitment to quality and pride in our work is second to none. We focus on quality and customer service. For all of your stable or business needs, Embroidery Unlimited is the number one provider in harness racing. Give Chip Winsky a call at 508 485 5522. That's 508 485 5522. Or visit them on the internet at embroideryunl.com. That's embroideryunl.com.
4: Embroidery Unlimited. The New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program places retired racehorses into approved monitored homes and transitions them into second careers. New Vocations has placed over 350 retired standardbreds the past three years. They are now accepting horses from all racetracks in the United States. New Vocations has facilities in Ohio, Kentucky, and Pennsylvania and is expanding to New York. To learn more, visit newvocations.org and on Facebook at New Vocations.org. Racehorse Adoption Program.
2: Are you racehorse poor, short on
1: health, got too many broodmares, need money? Consign your horses to the Blooded Horse Sale, the nation's smorgasbord of sales. These mixed sales are held in February, May, August, and November in Delaware, Ohio, and they attract buyers from 27 states and Canada. Entries close approximately 30 days out. Visit BloodedHorse.com to enter or request the catalog. That's BloodedHorse.com. Hey, it's Mike Bozich with Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Speaking of Bet America, we are each and every one of you to check out the Plainridge Park Casino Survivor Handicapping Contest that is coming up tomorrow, Friday, February seventeenth. Now, to enter the contest, you have to complete the Survivor Handicapping Contest Entry Form, which shall be available at the program counter located on the first floor simulcast room. Entry forms can be picked up starting at 5 p.m. Limit one entry per person. You have have to be present to win. Now get this, the contest winner shall receive $250 in cash plus one free entry of an $800 value to the Bet America 2017 World Harness Handicapping Championship on Saturday, April 29th at the Meadowlands. For more information on that, visit playmeadowlands.com slash contest. That's playmeadowlands.com slash contest. But once again, it's the Plain Ridge Park Casino Survivor Handicap Contest. It's happening tomorrow at 5 p.m. Be there. The action is always hot at Artist Racing's Windsor Capital, Pompano Park. With guaranteed pulls, constant carryovers, and industry load takeouts. Pompano Park has become one of Harness Racing's greatest horse player attractions. Live racing five nights per week, Sunday through Wednesday and Saturday, too, for the post-time of 7.20 p.m. Eastern. Wager now at Harness Racing's winter capital, Pompano Park. We are back on this edition of Post-Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Embed America. Obviously, a very special uh, very special show. It is the first ever USDA presidential debate, and we're going to move right along. The next segment is marketing and promotion, and the first question will go to Mr. Hudson. Mr. Hudson's social media has taken the new generation by storm over the last few years. The NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, and others are taking advantage of Facebook, Twitter, etc., in a variety of different ways. Now, a few years ago, the USDA began initiatives to expand its social media presence. As president, is this something that you believe should be expanded? And if so, how would you go about doing so?
5: Um, um, 100%. Uh, We need to expand on social media marketing. But I also have to point out, all of the above-mentioned sports never gave up on any of their other marketing efforts and plans. Along with the social media marketing, we have to add TV our big races should be televised on national TV. And one of my goals is to make that happen. (laughs) Um, I have have already covered some of this, but I'm going to repeat it. Uh, I also think we need to market to at large equestrian events, steeplechase races and other large equine events. At these uh, events, we could promote the industry, offer membership, sell merchandise and other things. We also need to up the cost of our events. The Kentucky Derby price for a general admission ticket this year is $80 at the gate. At an estimated 160,000 spectators um, are planning to attend, and their handle is going to be about $200 million. Our, Hamiltonian should, our goal should be with the Hamiltonian to do 25% of this figure. year. Uh, that should be our industry goal. Um, back to the social media. Uh, we need to use uh, customer profiles as to who to market to. I just happened to be working with a person who wrote the software for this venue. He originally wrote the software for the casinos to profile and the, profile their customers. I'll stop there then. <laughs>
1: Mr. Hudson, thank you. Mr. Macedonio, you're next. Uh, Social media has taken the new uh, generation by storm the last few years. Uh, Basically, all the major sports are taking advantage of Facebook, Twitter, et cetera, in a variety of different ways. A couple of years ago, the USDA began initiatives to expand its social media presence. As president, is this something that you believe should be expanded? And if so, how would you go about doing so?
7: Well, the Harness Racing Fan Zone – it's, it's a great foundation for what we need. And I personally don't think that Allison and, and Dan and, and the rest of the, the crew there, I don't think they have enough resources dedicated to the fan zone. Uh, there needs to be a separate team of producers and writers and editors and videographers at their disposal. They need to generate content and make every inch of our sport into a superstardom. There's a lot of things that I've done with the TrotCast, but I'm only dedicated to a portion of our audience, the younger demographic. Uh, The fan zone encompasses everybody. This may sting, but we aren't even close to what Europe can do with their product. I don't want to hear budget cries either. What they're doing with their production is simple and effective, but led by someone or a team with a clear vision. They are clearly unified in production and distribution of their content. With the time and vision dedicated to it, I could easily emulate what they're doing at a minimal cost. When you work on a limited budget like I have for the last two years, you have to find creative ways to accomplish things. That's what I've done. Bottom line, that you have to take risks in creating content, tell the stories, and get that content out there where everyone can see. I can't honestly say that we're doing an amazing job at all three of those. All types of content have to be generated, audio, video, pics, comedy, drama, reality. If we don't fall into specific demographics, we have to attract everybody.
1: Thank you, Mr. Macedonio. Mr. Williams, same question. Social media has taken the new generation by storm over the last few years. All the major sporting uh, companies and others are taking advantage of Facebook, Twitter, etc., in a variety of different ways. A few years ago, the USDA began initiatives to expand its social media presence as president. Is this something that you believe should be expanded? And if so, how would you go about doing so? Well,
8: I'm going to pick up about where Ryan left off without commenting on its brilliance because what he said um, really is something you will say if you go out to the U.S.T. offices and meet with them and see what they're doing. We already have a solid social media presence thanks to the communications committee. Now, uh, we have the capability with a huge number of followers that were picked up on the fan zone to mine the data and find out what are the descriptive characteristics of those fans, the fans we already have. And then we can do look-alike marketing. We can f- see who out there in the general world has those same characteristics and contact them and try to make fans out of them. It's a very effective marketing tool, and we, we have the capability with a small amount of money to do it now. Don't forget that the USTA got an award at the last World Trotting Conference for our marketing initiative. Uh, the world was impressed with us, and they looked to us, really as an example in this area. I think we'll find that the whole world will also participate in our marketing efforts when we get them underway. The USTA, in fact, really can be the honest broker in obtaining broad industry cooperation domestically in a comprehensive marketing strategy, which we can create ourselves. So we should definitely expand our social media work as part of that strategy.
1: All right thank you very much uh mr williams uh Mr Macedonio. he did mention it. you would you want a rebuttal you got forty five seconds
7: He called me brilliant, so I'll <laughs> leave it at that again. <laughs>
1: All right. Mr. Pernascio, uh social media has taken the new generation by storm over the last few years. All the major networks and others are taking advantage of uh, Facebook, Twitter, etc. in a variety of different ways. A few years ago, the USDA began initiatives to expand its social media presence. As president, is this something that you believe should be expanded? And if so, how would you go about doing so?
9: Well, 100 percent, I think that we need to expand and
1: continue uh, along the process
9: we were going. I think the, The problem with what was done was uh, there was a little bit of an execution uh, misunderstanding and problem, and that's why it kind of got stalled. I think the people at the USTA are fine people doing a fine job, but they need to be supported financially. And it goes back to running the USTA as a business and developing a revenue stream. If we want to be on national TV with any uh, of our races or any time, uh, we're going to have to have a lot of money. You know, we're not talking about coming up with 100 or 200 thousand dollars. We're going to need millions and millions of dollars to market the sport. And I believe the sport needs to be marketed on social media, um, and it needs to be done uh, and geared done nationally and geared locally um, for each and every track. Um, this is a huge opportunity. We need to get to our, our, uh, a new customer base. We don't have a new customer base. Most of our fans are aging. Uh, We need to find a way to get to the younger people, um, and social
1: media is clearly the way to get us to the younger people in America. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Panaccio. Mr. Settlemore, social media has taken the new generation by storm over the last couple of years. All the major uh, sports have uh, taken advantage of Facebook, Twitter, et cetera in a variety of different ways. A few years ago, the USTA began initiatives to expand its social media presence. As president, is this something that you believe should be expanded? And if so, how would you go about doing so?
6: Well, I hope we all uh, can agree that social media is not the future, uh, but now is the present, and that future was 20 years ago, and we should have been involved in it then. Um, I think we should all agree on that. But I do agree that under the USTA leadership that the industry did make uh, some good positive progress. Uh, with the social media initiative, um, in addition to that, I believe that we probably uh, need to double down. Um, you know, my personal belief is is uh, that we need a marketing firm to best tell us where our resources need now to be focused. Uh, we had a report that was commissioned. Uh, many of you may remember this a few years back by I believe her name was uh, Dr. Joan Zelensky. and the report came back as almost a carbon copy of the one did ten years before that by her. Nothing had changed uh, that's unacceptable. I believe we need to take a certain percentage, 5% of gaming money and devote it to marketing firm to tell us where to spend our dollars locally, regionally, and nationally. For those that don't have gaming, we as the United States Trotting Association should help those tracks to find sponsorship dollars, which in my opinion is found money, so they're also contributing to these funds locally, state, regionally, and nationally. Let's start with baby steps and go from there. I know that some of these ideas are YouTube utopian ideas um, but what we're doing now is is not working and i don't think status quo is acceptable any longer and we need to work together to come up with a game plan that we can all live with yes social media has to
4: be part of this plan and we should probably double down on it
1: thank you mr settlemore mr carter uh, mike you have a follow-up question
4: Yes, I do. Uh, This one goes to Mr. Hudson. Mr. Hudson, uh, you talked about the need for some of the big races to be on television. One question that I have is television cost. Some of the bigger uh, sports, such as the NFL and Major League Baseball, have used YouTube and other forms, such as Yahoo, to be able to broadcast live streaming events on YouTube or other areas. My question for you is, Do you think that being able to live stream those on YouTube, Yahoo, or what have you would be a better invested effort than, say, getting onto CBS or NBC or ABC?
5: Uh, No. Uh, I think we have to go for uh, NBC, CBS, or ABC. Uh, That is pretty much what the throwbreds are doing, Um, and we sort of have to follow them. Um, We have to pull the money, and I agree with Jason. We have to pull the money from the gaming money that's coming in and we have to use that for marketing. We have enough money there to do a commercial. Uh, I just looked at the figures yesterday. Like the uh, NBC pays um, the Kentucky Derby or the Jockey Club uh, $5 million a year to telecast the uh, Kentucky Derby. Um, We will never get that, but we can start, and maybe if we can get our product fixed and make it presentable to people, we can basically start bringing revenue in. Thank you. And Mr. Hudson, I have
4: one more for you. You say that we need to follow. The Actually, uh, Mike, mantra, my name was brought
6: up there. Do I get a chance to rebut?
0: <laughs> yes.
6: Go, go ahead. I, Mr. Well, I just I just want to take the because yeah, it's the first time that my name was brought up, and I and I appreciate Freddie uh, bringing my name up, especially on something like this that's near and dear to my heart. Um, but I, I'll take this time just to to remind everybody that you know, look. I, I don't feel that uh, the other racetracks that don't have gaming shouldn't be part of this. I think that we, as the United States Trotting Association, should use some of some of our resources and people to go out and find sponsorship. And it doesn't have to be industry insider uh, sponsorship, but go out and find something, uh, you know, from a local aspect, from a regional aspect, from a national res- respect. And, and as far as sponsorships concerned, we have a great sponsorship program at our four. facilities facilities uh, that, we, that we run so uh, i think it, it's ultimately important that everybody is involved because it's a process that these people need to be uh, need to have monetarily involved in
1: okay mike did you have another one go for uh, mr hudson or are we moving along i think we'll
4: move along go ahead
1: okay thanks uh okay the next question uh, is going to come to mr macedonio first Uh, over Over the past two decades, Harness Racing has lost a lot of its fan base due to a variety of reasons. Numerous promotions have been tried with limited results. As president, what are some of the ideas that you would like to implement to bring fans back to the racetrack? All
7: right, real quick, I want to ask Freddie something. If our whole point is to bring in a younger, new demographic and we put our product on NBC... The new, younger demographic are called cord cutters, and we will never see those commercials on NBC because we don't watch cable and we don't have cable. That's one thing. Second thing is back to the track. I don't think it's the USDA's job to tell racetracks how to run their business. For instance, I can't tell the Red Mile how to run their marketing campaigns or what promotions to run to get people to races, but what I can do and what the USTA can do is do a better job of distributing and showcasing what happened at the Red Mile this year. We had the fastest mile ever, and a Triple Crown winner, and those stories were off the front page in 36 hours. There is a feeling that the UFC has to be neutral on every subject, and maybe some felt that by promoting Always Be Mickey and Marion Marauder, they are showing bias towards their connections. Well, guess what? They should be. They are two great racehorses, and they should be promoted without worry that someone's going to get a little upset. The replays should have been stamped on the front page for at least a week, and the replay is redistributed every day. When the USDA has the good of the sport in mind, we shouldn't have to worry about how much we promote.
0: We don't treat
7: our stars as humongous stars and make events a big deal. Who else will? You want fans back at the track. You need stars So
5: create them.
1: Mr. Hudson, you name not invoked. Uh, you can rebuttal five cents.
5: Uh, I don't even know where to begin. I've just been asked 20 questions. Uh,
1: let's move on. Okay. Uh, moving right along, uh, Mr. Williams, you're next. Over the past couple of days, Harness Racing has lost a lot of its fan base due to a variety of reasons. Numerous promotions have been tried with limited results. As president, what are some of the ideas that you would like to implement to help bring, uh, bring fans back to the racetrack?
8: Well, so my primary mentor in Harness Racing was John Simpson. He said that there is a tendency we have to talk about the old days as somehow better and we're all going to hell, and things are getting worse. Of course, sometimes things do get worse, but it's never been easy. This sport has never been easy. You you think of everything you can, and you try it, and it's always been that way. I think the tracks are doing that. I don't want to invoke any names, but there's a big track over New Jersey that has a lot of innovative things going on, and I think all the racetracks are doing that on the local level. The USTA, uh, we have a lot of programs, educational, uh, informative and our communications department has gone to tracks, putting on USDA programs, and the publicity people of the tracks says, "Can you come back and do something like that for us?" So we're doing our part as well. I think you just have to try everything you can think of.
1: Okay, Mr. Suttlemore, we are going to let you uh, rebut, uh, rebut <laughs> that. We'll give you we'll give you a couple extra seconds, but uh, thanks. The time. i thanks it. trying
6: thank you. Thank no uh, you. Know, I just want to point out again, uh, over the past decade well, hold on, uh, two, hold on.
1: Uh, jason we're going we're going to let Mr. Panacio go first, and we're going to give you a couple extra seconds when it's your turn. So let's go to Mr. Panacio first. Uh, Joe, okay, over the I past apologize. couple of decades Sorry. okay, that's that's fine. Over the past couple of decades, harness racing has lost a lot of its fan base due to a variety of reasons. Numerous promotions have been uh, tried with limited results. What are some of the ideas you would like to see uh, to implement to help bring fans back to the track? Well,
9: I can only speak to what we've been successful with in Florida to get the handle up the way, ha- we, way we have been able to get it up. Um, and some of the things are like this weekend where we have four drivers from Italy coming and we advertise the fact that we have people from Italy and we reach out to the Sons of Italy in, in a local jurisdiction to get them in there. We, uh, we Last year we had an international amateur event where we had 14 or 15 countries represented and the guys came in and spent three or four days, and the handle was very strong, uh, and everybody had a great time doing it. Um, I think the tracks individually, uh, you know, as others have said, are, are doing things, but there has to be uh, some things done by the USTA to help as well. One of those things might be uh, getting control of the uh, programs, uh, which I don't believe we have total control over at, at this point in time, and getting free programs online to the betters um, and we got to get back to, uh, you know, the gamers are our number one guy, the guy that comes in and, and wagers every night on our racetrack. He's the guy that we have to start working towards. Give him a great place at the track to come and watch the races, uh, put some amenities in their form um, and then have trackside promotions uh, uh, to make it uh, better for the people that are coming as well. Um, and, and that's uh, my position on that. Thanks.
1: Okay, Mr. Settlemore, we're going to give you an extra uh, about the 30 to 45 seconds to respond to Mr. Williams. You could go ahead and include, and include that with the answer to the question. Over the past two decades, Harness Racing has lost a lot of its fan base through a variety of reasons. Numerous promotions have been tried with limited results. As president, what are some of the ideas you would like to implement to bring uh, fans back to the track? Go ahead, sir.
6: Well, thank you. Uh, again, I'll, I'll address the, the, the second question here before going back to where I was in, uh, invoked. Uh, we owe it to everyone involved in our sport to uh, try and right the ship. Um, does it really make sense while the ship is sinking to just let it sink or just reorganize the chairs on the, t- on, the on the deck of the Titanic? Absolutely not. And I hope that we can all agree on that. Again, we need a comprehensive marketing plan and funds to carry out that marketing initiative. Let's get in a room. Let's figure the best approach out and not leave that room until we have a plan. In my opinion, we as directors not only have a fiduciary obligation to our members, but we also have a responsibility to try and stop the bleeding and start rebuilding from the bottom to the top immediately while we have no money we should be developing marketing plans within the organization of promotions that have worked at other facilities and implement a best practice plan uh, to try them at other tracks and I just want to point out with 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 the rest of the time uh... that i have here um, you know I, I pointed this out at the beginning of the show and i just really want to drive this point home um, that over the past decade Three important indicators of a healthy industry have shown sharp and steady decline year-over-year. We need change now. Again, the USTA membership is down almost 30%. The total number of starters per year is down 35%. And the number of mayors bred, the most staggering number, In North America, is down almost 40 percent from 21,000 to under 13,000. We've roughly spent six billion dollars in North America on alternative gaming, with little money going to marketing our sport. That's a shame. If they come back to us in 10 years and start taking the money away from us, if they come back in 10 years, we have nobody to blame but ourselves, because people are going to look back and say, why didn't we spend any money on marketing?
1: Okay, thank you, Mr. Settlemore. Mr. Hudson, we're going to extend you that same courtesy. We're going to give you a little bit of extra time because your name was invoked earlier on. Over the past couple of decades, Harness Racing has lost a lot of its fan base due to a variety of reasons. Numerous promotions have been tried with limited results. As president, what are some of the ideas that you would like to implement to help bring fans back to the track?
5: Well, first of all, we cannot market our product as it is. Uh, we're throwing uh, good money after bad. We need to fix the product and then we can market it. Uh, we need, before we set up a marketing plan, we need to set up a strategic plan to fix the sports. And then we implement the marketing plan to work with the strategic plan. We have to bring in all of our people, we have to make them responsible to, for achieving goals and we have to hold them accountable for it. Uh, The whole product needs a makeover. Uh, I think we can attract new fans with new marketing ideas. Um, The clients that we're after is the younger, middle class. Uh, We can get those clients by events. I've been to the events. I've seen them there, and I know that they're there. People talk, oh, we can't get people to the track anymore. We can get people to the track. We just have to change it. And we have to go after the right market. Thank you.
4: All right, guys. I have a couple of follow-up questions. The first one is for Mr. Settlemore. Uh, Mr. Settlemore, um, talk to us a little bit more about how how you would plan on maybe getting the casinos to kind of relinquish um, those dollars to a marketing type of budget. Uh, you're uh, you're from New York, just like I was, and uh, I, I know what a uh, what a hassle that was sometimes uh how, how do we maybe fix that uh communication between the two?
6: Well, I think maybe there's a little bit of misinterpretation of what I'm saying and what I'm I'm not speaking of the casino operators. I'm talking about the horsemen that have the uh the uh the gaming in each one of these states to uh be putting money in to a, you know, a, a, we'll just call it a pot here to uh give to a big marketing firm. Um and that's how I see it and then the tracks that don't have gaming and the ones you know we as the U.S., there's all kinds of ways to skin this, and we can, we can work at it from, from a sponsorship, from a national level, uh, to go out and get those monies from, from, from uh, for, for racetracks that don't have uh, gaming. Um, there's all kinds of ways to, to skin this, but to, look, what we're doing right now, it's not working, folks. $6 billion, $6 billion, and we've spent little or no money on marketing. Okay, start. thank you very much. Thank,
1: thank, yeah, thank you, Mr. Settlemore. Let's move right along. Does somebody else have something?
4: I, I actually had one more follow up.
1: Okay, go ahead, Mike. Uh,
4: Fre- Freddie, you talked a little bit about, or Mr. Hudson, you talked a little bit about um, you have to fix the sport before you can market it. Um, how, how do you? What do you mean by that? Do you mean to fix the perception, or are you talking about racetracks having to fix bringing new people? I'm a little confused as to what you mean by that.
5: Okay. But we, we have to fix the product. Everything is broke. The racing is broke. The atmosphere is broke. The online experience. There's we, We're not offering anyone anything. We have we put the races out there. Most I've gone to the OTP in New York. I've spoken to fans that used to be fans of ours, and they've told me why they've left. They've left because of low payoffs. They've left. The passion lane has chased more fan, more fans away than you can imagine. Uh, we don't offer anything else. We have to make the racetrack experience something that's more. We need entertainment in between the races. Um, I, I can go on on this one if you want me to, but I'll, I'll stop there. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Hudson. All right,
1: let's move along. Our next uh... Question here, Mr. Williams, you'll get the first hunk at it. One of the suspected Reasons that fans have left our sport Is due to a lack of action Slot machines and other gambling options Offer continuous non-stop Action. Racing is seen as Slow, with races sometimes 20 to 25 minutes apart Do you feel that this is an issue And if so, what steps would you Like to see to ensure our sport Offers more of an action-packed Environment?
8: When I was growing up, if anybody talked about action at the track, they were talking about wagering. Wagering is what we have that pro football, for example, does not have. By the way, while we're on that, there was a study you've probably seen that figured out that a typical NFL game includes about 11 minutes of play in however many hours it takes. So continuous action is really not a goal in itself. Anyway, the – USCA USTA, once again, has stepped up with the strategic wagering initiative. In my opinion, this is one of the best things we've ever done. What differentiates us from slots, as you know, is that knowledge and thought will help you win at the races. That's what keeps horse players in the game for a lifetime. Quite a few people like to think when they gamble, and they like to outthink other gamblers. Stratwag caters to this by offering an expanded menu of wagering options to spark interest and make wagering more doable. They also support guaranteed pools, uh, with, partly with money from the USTA, which attracts a whole lot more new wagers than dragging the clock. So I think we're, we're uh, doing a lot of good work in the action area.
1: Okay, thank you, Mr. Williams. Mr. Panaccio, one of the suspected reasons that fans have left our sport is due to a lack of action. While slot machines and other gambling options offer continuous nonstop action, racing is seen as slow, with races sometimes 20 to 25 minutes apart. Do you feel that this is an issue? And if so, what steps would you like to see to ensure our sport offers more of an action-packed environment? well I, I don't
9: think the uh the time between races in, in in itself is is the problem though i'd like to see them go off uh, closer together um, the they, the The gamer needs time to uh review uh the program review his picks uh there are so many options to wager today between pick three pick four you know the uh, the pick high five i mean the high five uh there are so many things that they're all working on i, I don't think that that the actual uh, a person who's gaming on our product is uh, terribly affected by the fact that they're twenty minutes apart um, and I don't agree that it's that our sport is slow in any way i mean if if you are a horse player and you're a horse owner or a horse trainer or whatever. You're getting plenty of action out there, and I don't think time is a, is a crucial issue for us between races at this point in time. I think we've got lots of other things to, on our plate at the USTA that we need to accomplish uh, right. before we worry
1: about that. Okay, thanks, Mr. Panaccio. Mr. Settlemore, one of the suspected reasons the fans have left our sport is due to a lack of action. While machines and other gambling options offer continuous nonstop action, racing is seen as slow with races sometimes 20 to 25 minutes or more apart. Do you this is an issue? And if so, what would you t- uh, like to see to ensure our sport offers more of an action-packed environment?
6: So first, I, I just want to point out uh, that gambling is one of the largest industries in the world. The gambling market has been valued at more than 335 billion in the USA alone, and 240, in 240 in the 240 billion in the USA alone. In um, the NFL, uh, while they're you know. Uh, may not be legal wagering going on uh, outside of Nevada and Delaware and those other states There's certainly uh, that's one of the reasons why the NFL is uh, is so successful but yes I believe it's definitely an issue one thing racetracks can do is have promotions in between the races so it breaks up that long non-action for our customers I know some people believe some of the promotions we do in between the races at the Meadowlands, Tioga and Vernon are silly uh, take for example the horse play promotion where you can win a car, our seventh race – our seventh inning – stretch to God Bless America and our other off-the-wall promotions, but I truly believe that like the t-shirt tosses and all the stuff that we do help keep our fans engaged. It gives the new fans, the regular customer and the hardcore gamblers something to do or watch in between the races if they choose to um, outside of handicapping. I also believe we need to use new technology to engage with trainers and drivers both before and after the race to get their comments, and I also believe we should be using drone technology to give a different view of the races and different camera angles of the races with helmet cams, race bike cams. There's all kinds of technology, and we're just scratching the surface in our industry, and we can should, we can and should use to give this the, the customer an all-around better experience. Ultimately important to give the customer an all-around better experience.
1: Okay, thank you, Mr. Settlemore, Mr. Hudson. One of the suspected reasons fans have left our sport is due to a lack of action while slot machines and other gambling options have continuous. Numbers. Stop action. Racing is seen as slow with sometimes uh, 20 to 25 minutes or more in between races. Do you feel this is an issue? And if so, what steps would you like to see to ensure our sport offers more of an action-packed environment?
5: Uh, Absolutely. 100% it's a problem. And I agree totally with what Jason said. And the Meadowlands has done a great job in trying to promote the sport. And they are attractive. A track that does not have a, a casino. Um, I do think that our star is the horse. Um, I think that we need to have more interaction with the horse, with the fans and the people. Uh, We could set up an area where fans could come up and actually pose for pictures with the horse, uh, talk with the drivers and trainers up close and get a little bit personal with them. Uh, We need also other forms of entertainment between races, live races, live music, uh, better food. Uh, Yes, there's a lot of work to be done there and we need more interaction with the fans. Uh, Thank you. Okay,
1: thank you, Mr. Hudson. Uh, Mr. Macedonia, what's coming to you? One of the suspected reasons that fans have left sport is the lack of action. While slot machines and other gambling options have continuous nonstop action, racing is seen as slow, with uh, races sometimes 20 to 25 minutes apart. Do you feel it's an issue? And if so, what steps would you like to see to ensure our sport offers more of an action-packed environment?
7: Uh, Well, I love Freddie's brilliant idea of, having the drivers just interact with the fans. Uh, While they're from the first race on to the last race, the drivers shouldn't be able to go in their locker rooms unless it's for an uh, an emergency and just hide. They should be interactive. But we're too comfortable with our model. We need to shake things up and try a bunch of gimmicks. I know that there's going to be some rules and regulations that would have to get approved, but let's let's think about this. Have a race where there's only a win bet and the winners get 90% of the purse. I think that would be quite interesting. It would certainly uh, shake things up, and it would be cool to see how drivers and trainers and owners would react to that high-risk, high-reward race. You couldn't have it all the time, but, uh, you, you know, I'd have to rotate the class of horse, but it would be fun to watch. There's plenty of other gimmicks like that that we could incorporate. There is minimal fan participation or interactivity at the track or online. The problem isn't 20 minutes between races. The problem is that there's mostly dead or uninteresting air on the feed when races are going. This goes back to the complacency of tracks, uh, relying on the welfare money and slot revenue. Uh, Jason proved it. Uh, you know, with Tioga and Meadowlands, they do plenty of fan interactivity, and I'm sure it's one of the, one of the coolest things about, you know, if they hold all of the customers that go to Tioga, and, and they love that, you know, they love little gimmicky stuff, like minor league baseballers. Plenty of fun, gimmicky stuff to do. Let's uh let's let's make our fans enjoy
1: it. Okay, thank you Mr. Macedonio. I know a couple of names were invoked there guys, but we're kind of running short on time and I do want to get to the buzz session because those were uh the fan questions and I want to make sure that uh most of the fan questions get And So, we're going to take a quick time out. When we come back, it's our buzz session. It's a very special edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America. You've got uh, the first-ever USDA presidential debate. We'll be back right after this. The action is always hot at Artist Racing's winter capital, Pompano Park. With guaranteed pools, constant carryovers, and industry-load takeouts... Pompano Park has become one of Harness Racing's greatest horse player attractions. Live racing five nights per week, Sunday through Wednesday and Saturday too, for the most time of 7.20 p.m. Eastern. Wager now at Harness Racing's winter capital, Pompano Park. Northwood stands ready to serve its growing customer base in representing them at both yearling and mixed sales and in private purchases of racing and breeding stock. If you're looking into the harness racing marketplace as a buyer or seller, call Northwood today. Northwood is the most experienced and professional representation for public auction and private sales. Northwood is now accepting entries to the 2017 yearling sales. Visit them online at northwoodbloodstock.com. That's northwoodbloodstock.com. Here at The Stable, our mission is to provide fair market for owners of yearlings while giving investors the most informative way to purchase all of or part of a horse. The Stable will cater to all budgets by having an open fractional buying market and a flat rate billing system. At The Stable, we aim to minimize the risk in buying and maximize the benefit of selling. Visit thestable.ca or give Anthony McDonald a call at 519-400-4263. That's 519-400-4263. It's thestable.ca. Okay, we're back on post time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Mike Bozich, along with Mike Carter, it is the <sighs> 2017 USTA presidential debate. Guys, we've got some uh, – we're going to call this a bus session, and basically we're going to uh, kind of rapid fire some of these questions. So be prepared. We want to make sure we get to uh, closing statements, and we've got about a half hour to do so. So let's get the first question out. Uh, Mr. Panaccio, this is coming to you. You've got 45 seconds. Uh, to uh, answer this one over the last few years racetracks have gotten into a routine of dragging minutes after the clock uh, has reached zero. Is this something that you believe needs to be addressed?
9: Well, I can only speak for us in, at Pompano and uh, we race a, a different season than everybody else. And it's very important for us that we don't overlap uh, with other racetracks when we when our guys go to post. Uh, so the majority of our reason for uh, dragging is to not overlap with another track that might be racing on a particular night when we're racing. Um, so from from that standpoint, I don't have a problem with it. And secondly, um, it, 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 as long as we do some of those things that we all talked about earlier to make it more interesting between races and to try to keep our fan base there,
1: uh, I think we'll be fine. Thank you, Mr. Panaccio. Mr. Settlemore, uh, next to you.
6: Uh, yeah, um, you didn't read me the question but, and, um, <laughs> Listen I, I just responded to a letter and Harness Racing Update from this past Sunday uh, By a Mr. Hunter And I hope Mr. Hunter is listening um, Because I responded exactly Like this and he'll see it on Sunday uh, This drives me crazy I'm, I generally set the post times here At the Meadowlands uh, with the exception Of last year uh, When I set the post times we avoid Woodbine Entertainment Group which is WEG, Woodbine And Mohawk and we work extremely well together and most other harness tracks set post times off of us. Now, when it comes to the thoroughbreds, they generally do not watch harness tracks and post times, but I try to watch them. Wegg came up with a great idea when they put the countdown clock up with a minute after their drag. Um, we agree it's a very frustrating process. And I spoke many times about racetracks working together for post times and getting our races off on time. Uh, the unfortunate part is while we, I agree um, with this whole process, it be hard to do it alone it has to be an industry wide initiative. We simply can't afford at this time to lose any handle and additionally, on a positive note, I met with TVG Tracks uh, earlier today um, about this same subject. And uh, I hope, uh, you know, there was some positive information that came out of it. And uh, hopefully this will be the first step back to staying off of each other and getting our races off on time.
1: Okay, Mr. Settlement, thank you. Mr. Hudson?
5: Yes, uh, zero minutes the post time should mean that the horses are behind the gate. Uh, maybe we should have a reward program for the track that gets the uh, horses off as close to the post time as possible. Uh, there are many complaints about this year issue and I hear it all the time, but zero minutes to post time should
1: be zero minutes to post time. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Mr. Hudson. Mr. Macedonia. Uh,
7: in the beginning, this trend led to a definitive increase in last minute handle, but like every trend it's now run its course. So, Horsemen and gamblers and racetracks are fully aware of what the tracks are trying to accomplish. Um, So now they have to shake things up. They they got to like like what Jason was doing. And, you you know, he's better suited to answer this question than I am. And he's already in the process of doing it, like what he said with TVG and all the other stuff.
1: Okay. Thank you, uh, Mr. Williams.
8: Well, from the USTA standpoint, you know, our job is not to tell the tracks how to run their business. Our job is to help them run their business. So um, I'm not going to take a position on dragging minutes or when they actually have their starts.
1: All right, thank you very much, Mr. Williams. Mike, you want to go ahead with the next question?
4: (laughs) Yeah, we're ready to go. Uh, Guys, uh, we're going to start with Mr. Settlemore here. What can you do about racetrack scheduling as a whole as the horse population gets smaller?
6: Well, this is an absolute fantastic question and goes right to the heart of what I've been talking about all night. Again this is where horsemen groups and track operators should be working together so that everyone has full competitive fields for our gamblers and fans to wager on. Many say this is a pipe dream and I don't disagree right at this point that it's a pipe dream but the horse population is going to become a major problem. It's coming at us like a freight train this horse shortage and will probably force the hands of many in the near future so I don't know necessarily um, that you really need to get involved in this because I certainly believe that within the next next few years we're going to see uh, the horse shortage come at us like a big train, like I just explained, and this is going to force the hand of many regional smaller tracks to schedule at different times.
4: Mr. Hudson, what can you do about racetrack scheduling as a whole as the horse population gets smaller?
5: Well, as the horse uh, population continues to get smaller, it's going to force the closure of several tracks. And as Jason said, it's a major problem. Uh, we must fix our sport to prevent this from happening. Once we can fix the sport, we will increase the horses, and we will adjust. this problem will self-adjust itself. Uh, thanks.
4: Thank you, Mr. Hudson. Mr. Macedonio, what can you do about racetrack scheduling as a whole as the horse population gets smaller? I
7: can attack this from two areas. Uh, I would start with the Grand Circuit, um, as I think it's become diluted and and unimportant as a brand, where we have to reorganize what a Grand Circuit stakes race means, and that will uh, make things more important when we actually have a Grand Circuit race. We don't have a definitive, clear way to show our fans the correct schedule of races and why they're important. We could also have an entire database we can analyze so that we know trends of horses going up and down in classes, where they travel, where they are, have rosters of horses, so that we know where they're traveling, where they're stabled, where they live to figure out how we can best uh, maneuver classes so that every horse gets raised. There's plenty of times when horses get entered, one class is full, another class is, uh, is not full. So that, that needs to be organized too.
4: Thank you, Mr. Macedonio. Mr. Williams, what can you do about racetrack scheduling as a whole as the horse population gets smaller?
8: Well, it's not much that I can do, but the tracks uh, will have a chance to look at their schedule as more of an event uh, phenomenon, at least at certain times of the year. Uh, I remember over the years there have been complaints made that tracks, a given track will be running 417 race days, and and the race cards are like sliced cheese. And and you know what happened to the old days when there was some excitement and people would go to the track to see the event. So you know we're going to have to do a little more event management, I think, to uh, until we get through this. I do not agree that the horse shortage will continue.
4: Thank you, Mr. Williams. Mr. Panaccio, what can you do about racetrack scheduling as a whole as the horse population gets smaller?
9: Well, w- once again, I'm going to have to uh, revert to talking about where I live, and that's Pompano. And our big season is the winter, and we tend to have some uh, many days to race on our own in the winter, and that's what our schedule is built around, and that's what really pumped our uh, handle going back three years ago when we dropped uh, in the beginning of the meet Saturdays, and we dropped Fridays completely because we couldn't go up against the bigger facilities, and we couldn't hold our own. So that's a good lesson to be learned. To go where the other guys aren't, and we're going to tracks are going to have to learn to schedule uh, around the bigger tracks. You don't want to go up against the Aqueduct or Gulfstream, and uh, and and some of the big venues at night. And uh, you need to
1: race uh, in a time and day that works for your racetrack. All right, thank you, Mr. Panosio. Moving right along, Mr. Hudson, you'll be first up on deck with 45 seconds. What can the USDA do to help racing at venues? do not have slots, whether they be paramutual or uh, county fence?
5: Uh, we have to establish industry cooperation. The haves have to help and share it with the have-nots, and this includes in the marketing. We have to get the horsemen associations up in the areas that have the spot revenue coming in. We have to take a percentage of that money, and we have to put it into marketing, and we have to share it. Um, That is what I feel. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Macedonio. Uh,
7: By simply giving them the spotlight and market the stories at the event, you know, I've been to plenty of county fairs, and the atmosphere is amazing. So there's plenty of content to find. The more I work with horsemen and the more my show grows, the easier it is for me to get more content because they know what to expect. So starts by simply just interacting and promoting.
1: Thank you, Mr. Macedonio. Mr. Williams?
8: What can the USDA do? Well, if you're talking about county fairs, remember that we're all about the county fairs. Those rules that we work on at the meetings every year apply at the county fairs. They don't apply the paramutual tracks. And so uh, we have a deep involvement with the county fairs. We, put, we supply a lot of information um, services and a certain amount of funds to them. And uh, so I think think we're doing a great job in the county fair area.
1: Thank you, Mr. Williams. Mr. Panaccio, what can the USDA do to help racing venues that do not have slots, whether they be pari or county fairs?
9: Well, uh, for the pari I think we need to make everything available to them that we make to the revenues that do have slots, uh, the venues that that have slots and casinos. Um, and, And then we need to help them, Marketed As I talked about earlier, we need to come up with a national marketing plan, but we need to execute that marketing plan locally, Um, and that's how the local smaller tracks without casinos would get a greater benefit out of the marketing dollars that we were able to use, Um, and, and I think that's the most important thing that we can do for them. Thank you very much. Mr. Settlemore.
6: Yeah, I, I, again, I believe we can work together on a best-laid marketing plan and helping out with the finding sponsors for these other places uh, that are struggling in addition to uh, the county fairs. Um, again, my belief is that sponsorship has found money and can be put to good use in many different ways to help out individual tracks and horsemen's associations. Hey, listen, it takes effort. But this is a reasonable approach, in my opinion, and uh, I think that we could certainly get the job done. Uh, if I was elected president, uh, would be one of the first initiatives, uh, low-hanging fruit that we could we could go out and grab and uh, um, and check that off the list.
4: Thank you, Mr. Settlemore. Um, Mike, do we want to go ahead with the last?
1: Yep, right. let's go ahead with the last. And, Mr. Macedonio, you will start. You have 45 seconds. How do you plan to balance your president careers and family lives with the demanding duties of USDA president?
7: I know I'm definitely going to have to switch to the condensed Hulu version of Monday Night Raw. Uh, but also, being a trainer for 10 years has molded me into this crazy person that can work weird long hours. Caring for an animal is, a, is an everyday job, 24 hours. You get no days off. Uh, working seven days a week, and you don't even think twice about skipping a holiday. So basically, I have to do something, I'll do it. That's pretty much how I'm wired, and that's that's how I'll always be.
4: Mr. Williams, how do you plan to balance your present careers and family lives with the demanding duties of USTA president?
8: Well, it's, it's going to take a little discipline, but I have some practice uh, going in because I'm on the finance committee, uh, we get the budget and the current operating results every month, and I have to go through the the budget, and that's why I have a tendency to quote accurately from it uh, when the occasion arises. So, you know, it, it's going to be a change, but I can do it.
4: Thank you, Mr. Williams. Mr. Panaccio.
9: Well, as I said in my earlier opening statement, uh, I am retired. Uh, uh, I have the time. I have the experience. Um, I will not be weaving it into anything else, and uh, after spending uh, 43 years with my wife, she'd probably be happy if I get something to take more time out of the day (laughs) and get me out of the house. So um, uh, I look forward to the challenge. I have the time. I certainly have the energy, and I certainly have the experience to do it. Thank
6: you.
4: Mr. Settlemore, how do you plan to balance your present career and family life with the demanding duties of the USDA president?
6: That's a great question, and just like I do with everything else, it's a lot of hard work and dedication, uh, not just professionally, but personally at home as well. You know, I did a lot of soul searching before entering the race at the last minute because I wanted to make sure that I could give 100%. I don't like to do anything half-assed, and, and my family is behind me. They understand the sport. They know the sport. They've been involved in the sport, so that they get the long hours. So, uh, But most importantly, um, after my family, again, the most important thing is my family's behind me with this, but my boss, Jeff has told me he'd give me the time I need to do this to be effective and get the job done, and I have great employees at, at all of my facilities that if I walked away uh, today, that they could just pick the ball up and keep right on going. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. i got great employees and I think that that's the sign of a great leader is when you have people that can pick the ball up if you're not there and move
4: right on. Mr. Hudson, how do you plan to balance your present career and family life with the demanding duties of the USTA president?
5: Uh, My life is very well balanced and I don't see this as an issue. Uh, My NBC golf work is uh six to eight months in advance, and my schedule with them is very flexible, and they're very great to work with.
1: Okay, thank you, Mr. Hudson. What we're going thank to you. do is we're going to take one final time out. When we come back, we are going to have closing statements, and then we're going to close this show up. You've got Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by oh, Bet America. We will be back right after this. Northwood stands ready to serve its growing customer base in representing them at both yearling and mixed sales and in private purchases of racing and breeding stock. If you're looking into the harness racing marketplace as a buyer or seller, call Northwood today. Northwood is the most experienced and professional representation for public auction and private sales northwood is now accepting entries to the 2017 yearling sales visit them online at
2: northwoodbloodstock.com that's northwoodbloodstock.com ever dream of owning your own racehorse how would you like to get in the winner with the number one harness racing partnership in the u.s. vip state there's nothing like the thrill of your horse coming down the stretch To find out more, call VIP Stable at 877-VIP-WIN-1 or visit us on the web at www.vipstable.com. Turning horse racing fans into racehorse owners. Be a winner. Back here on Post
4: Time with Mike and Mike, it's time for the closing statements. Each one of you gentlemen will get two minutes to make your final pitch to the directors. Mr. Williams, you are first.
8: Well, as I listen to myself talk tonight, I guess I'd have to say that I'm the establishment candidate. Uh, This is partly because I've been on the board for 20 years, been through a lot of battles, and I've watched a lot of changes happen at the organization. But the quality of the staff at the USTA and the members of the board of directors is really second to none. I was on the American Horse Council board for 10 years, and in that capacity, I got to know people at a lot of the other organizations the jockey club the american quarter horse association and so forth and um i don't want to uh go too much over the top here but i can confidently tell you that none of those organizations surpasses us in, in any respect other than size and, and uh, budget so uh i have i have Tremendous confidence in the USTA staff, and the, I've worked with a lot of directors on the board of directors, and I have great confidence in them as well. I think there's there's even more that the board could do, and you heard a lot of ideas on that line tonight. Uh, I can work with, you know, partly because of being on the board, I can work with differing viewpoints, and I can talk to people that disagree with me. And, uh, you know, we have contentious discussions and debates on the USTA board, but uh, we hammer out good results eventually, I think in every instance. My dedication to the USTA has only grown over this long period of time on the board, and to be chosen as president would be one of the highest honors of my life.
4: Thank you, Mr. Williams. Mr. Panaccio.
8: Thank you. Uh,
9: going back to uh, the beginning of the night, uh, I would tell the uh, my fellow directors uh, who are going to join me uh, at the annual meeting
6: uh,
9: that I see the USTA to be as to be dri- uh, run as a business. And the way we run it as a business is the first thing we do is create a revenue stream um, wow. because we have to have money to do the things that we all talked about tonight. Um, I am a proven leader. I have the time. I have the experience to get this done. I have more than 15 years of experience as a CEO in some major corporations in the United States, and I'd like to bring that business experience to the USTA and work alongside of those great people in Columbus and get this sport going the direction that we want to go. Uh, Lastly, I want to thank my fellow candidates for a great debate. I think you guys brought some great ideas to the table tonight, Um, even though somebody said that uh, Ryan was brilliant. I guess we can get through that and we'll, we'll all survive. Uh, but seriously, no joke. I, thanks a lot for the, for the, for, to Mike and Mike for putting this on. And uh, thanks again to the candidates uh, for the way they performed tonight and some of the great ideas that we would all benefit from. Uh, no matter which one of us wins the election, uh, we should lean on the other guys uh, to help us execute the plan because I know we all love harness racing and we're all passionate about the sport. And as Russell said, even though we have some differences, um, we we need to work together
1: uh, to make this successful in the future. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mr. Panaccio. Mr. Settlemore. you've got two minutes.
6: I I agree uh, with Joe um, that we all need to be working together. I think that's been uh, a lot of what I've said tonight. But I want to start and take this opportunity to thank you, Mike and Mike. Uh, for hosting the first ever uh, USTA presidential debate. It's exciting to be part of this. Um, I hope that people realize that our sport does have many issues, but at the end of the day we can move the needle back in the right direction with hard work and dedication. We're all so passionate. We all love this business and uh, or we wouldn't be here. Um, I promise all our members and directors that if I'm elected president of the United States trucking Association, which would be a huge honor for me Uh, They will get nothing less than 100% from me in trying to work together with each and every person who truly cares about our sport. That's my promise. Hard work, dedication, a democratic process, and transparency between our board and also our membership. So, one more last, one more shameless plug here for me. Why settle for less when you can settle for more? Vote for Jason, settle more. Contact your directors today and voice your opinion. Your opinion counts, and your opinion should be heard as members. Let's make harness racing great again. And I just want to end by saying this again, I am not interested in the position of president of the United States Trotting Association if our only goal is is going to be record keeping. Thank you again, Mike and Mike. Thank you to all the other candidates. Uh, participating here this evening. Thank you to the membership that's out there and listening. Uh, Thanks for all the social media tweets and Facebook and all that, trying to keep up during uh, the debate. This has been exciting to be part of. I certainly appreciate it, and I look forward to leading harness racing um, at at the USTA uh, so we can make some significant progress and stop the decline in USTA membership, stop the decline in the total number of starters, and stop the decline in the total number of mayors bred and create interest in harness racing and developing an international fan base, leading in technology and gaming advances, increase handle at our racetracks and create a unified integrity driven product. Again, thank you very, very much for tonight. It's been an honor and uh, I hope that uh, all of us can uh, work together in the future.
1: Thank you, Mr. Sotomayor, Mr. Hudson.
5: Yes. Uh, thank you, Mike and Mike. Uh, thank you all the other candidates. Um, I see the love from all of us for our great sport, and I see the love, and I think I know that all of us here will work together. Uh, at this time, the harness racing industry can be as spectacular as we know it to be. If you spend time reviewing the yearlings we have at the sales, you see the substantial prospect of a sport we have in our hands. Do not do not let that go over technicalities and procedures. Let's find our path to a new success. Harness Racing has reinvented itself in the past to huge numbers of fans, and if we can be progressive enough, we can do this now. Our market has changed, and we can. Certainly change with it. Um, we can easily survey and interview current fans on their needs and anticipate or project what the new fans would want. There are many newer methods to communicate on social media that we have not previously and the numbers are quite significant. We want variance from meteorocracy to exciting, which we can do. I have a strategic planner, and I have one of the best marketed firms in the world ready to join us. We have a few few integrity aspects that are not that difficult to change. If we take no action, we will appear less than we are. I don't want that for any of us. Reasonable penalties to keep the races honest for the best horses, Required use of the whips without excessive use, upholding the rules for all races, and providing care for our horses after their racing careers honor our sport. More detailed improvements, whether they are in bike designs or types of bets, can make a substantial difference to the outcome and can make the races a better experience. Let's do this together. Enjoy the process and the end results. Team USTA, join me. Thank you.
1: Thank you, uh, Mr. Hudson. And Mr. Macedonio, as the blind draw would dictate, you get the last words, sir. Go ahead.
7: Well, I'm glad that we were able to get this thing off the ground. Jason, Russell, Joe, Freddie have all been great to work with. And as a show of leadership, we all decided to make this campaign as positive as possible. So if five rivals can work together directly, why can't the rest of our industry Uh, It's insane to me to think that this is the first ever USDA presidential debate. This is an idea that I've been vocal about since I declared my candidacy. These are the type of things that I bring to the table. I can explore all of the areas that the USDA is not used to going. I can't worry about what has happened in the past. All I can worry about is the future and what we can do moving forward. We have a lot of baggage holding us back. Netflix and Hulu have to deal with a lot of problems early on with content and distribution. You know what they did? They decided to do it themselves and gain back the leverage. We as an industry have to gain back our leverage, create stars, and show the people how amazing our sport can be and why we're all here in the first place. If the president's role is to be the guiding light and visionary for our industry, I think that I'm by far the most suited for this role. I have a laundry list of innovative ways that I've contributed to the sport. In my recent visit to the USTA headquarters, I got a chance to meet... All the great people working behind the scenes, the IT department, finance, customer service, they've always been top-notch. We've known that. They all need a visionary who isn't afraid to take the risk. Let's be realistic also. If I were elected and were able to come in into the office and just cause all sorts of chaos, this organization wouldn't be as successful as it is. Mike Tanner and his staff are the filter for everything. They run the checks and balances. Mike and I have worked together, and we both understand what our strengths are. We would have opposite roles, balancing each other moving forward. It's both scary and exciting right now in our industry. After this election and campaign, regardless of what happens, I'm going to continue to promote our industry, hold people accountable, and display transparency. This one thing that you all can count on, I'm not going away. There's my mic drop.
1: Mr. Macedonio, Mr. Panacio, Mr. Williams, Mr. Settlemore, and Mr. Hudson, I can certainly say that the USTA is uh, will be in very good hands with either one of you guys at the helm. I really want to say, from on behalf of Mike Carter, that we really appreciate you guys joining us here tonight. And I honestly think that Harness Racing has turned a corner tonight because this is the open debate of ideas, the open uh, exchange of ideas, and the open debate and hopefully the execution of these ideas moving forward. Guys, it was a pleasure. Mr. Hudson, thank you very much. Thank you. Mr. Settlemore, thank you, sir.
6: Thank you, guys, for everything, and uh, I certainly do appreciate it. It's exciting uh, being here tonight uh, for this first ever uh, USTA presidential debate, and uh, good luck to everybody, and I certainly mean that.
1: Mr. Williams, thank you, sir.
4: Thank
6: you.
1: Mr.
9: Panaccio, thank you, sir. Thanks, Mike. And, Mike, thanks for putting it on. We really appreciate the opportunity to speak to the directors and the membership. Mr. Macedonio, thank you, sir.
7: Thank you, guys. Woo!
1: And there it is, Mike Carter, the first ever... Two- the first ever USTA presidential debate. And uh, listen, we want to thank all the candidates. We want to thank all the sponsors. We want to thank the harness racing community for stepping up. We want to thank the directors for sending us their questions. We want to thank the racing fans for sending us numerous questions. Uh, this has been a whirlwind, and I don't know where the last three hours has gone. And I don't even know where Mike Carter has gone. <laughs> Mike, contain yourself, my friend. Contain yourself. (laughs) Well, listen, we appreciate everybody joining us. It was the first ever USDA presidential debate. Once again, if you are a racing fan and you're wondering how you can get involved, Mike, are you there?
4: Yeah, sorry about that.
1: That's nah, okay. Uh, but anyway, real quick, if you want to get involved, if you're a racing fan out there, get a hold of your USDA directors. They are the ones that vote. Please get a hold of them and voice your concerns. And, hey, voice uh, the guy that you think uh,
4: you'd like to elect. Yeah, definitely. You know, you contact them. Uh, all of their emails are readily available on the U.S. routing website. And uh, we're getting yelled at. We have 90 seconds left. I'm thankful that we extended this thing in three hours, Mike. <laughs>
1: Yeah, certainly. And actually, it could have went five or six hours, but uh, we wanted to make sure that we gave all of these guys a very, very uh, big platform to state their opinions and debate the issue. So on behalf of Mike Carter, this is Mike Bozich. Don't forget, we are Post Time with Mike and Mike, and our shows can be heard every Thursday at 1 p.m. Log on to our website, posttimewithmikeandmike.com. Follow us on Twitter. Like us on Facebook. We'll see you next time on Post Time
0: man yeah